Pacer was an interesting car. It had it was one of the most advanced cars you can imagine. Adam Curry, John C. Dvorak. It is Thursday, September first, two thousand eleven. Time for your Gitmo Nation Media Assassination Episode three three five. This is no agenda. Preparing for the bird flu in theater, September 9th. And coming to you from the Hilltop Watchtower Crackpot Command Center in the People's Republic of Southern California. In the morning, everybody. I'm Adam Curry. It's Thursday. That means garbage day. Time to take out the garbage in northern Silicon Valley. I'm John C. Dvorak. It's Crackpot and Buzzkill in the morning. That's right. It's uh, Fridays here in uh, Southern California for the uh, trash. Uh, Well, it depends on the neighborhood, I'm sure. Really? Every neighborhood, they can't take all the trash on the same exact day of the whole area. That would be stupid. You take out a little bit here for over there and a little bit over there. And one Monday, get some Tuesday, Wednesday. Really? You know, you should be in city planning. I am. John, you are the oracle. I uh, will start off this program giving you the big, <laughs> the big props that you deserve. You totally called it, man, on, a, on uh, Algeria. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I, I there's two emails I've received the most of. Hold on, let me adjust. Sorry, that's uh, my underwear. Uh, one is uh, another foot found in the ocean. Oh oceans. yeah, the foot. The foot's in the ocean, and uh, and the other one is holy crap, Dvorak called Algeria, and he was right. Now that was spectacular. I had, I had not thought about Algeria at all. That was really good. Well, thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> uh, actually, I, I did... It's time the, to put a no-fly zone over. <laughs> yeah, well, it's just about. So, of course, uh, what happened is uh, uh, apparently Gaddafi's kids crossed the border into Algeria, uh, including his smoking hot daughter. Is she hot or what? She's very attractive. Oh, man. And she, and she gave birth. Uh, I don't know if she gave birth in uh, Libya or Algeria, but I think Algeria, actually. Uh, so anyway, so you called this. I'm like, wow, man. And had you know, Algeria is like one of these countries you don't look at, even though it's huge. <laughs> I think it's the biggest country in Africa. Actually, it's really big. And of course, we haven't been looking at that because you know we were paying attention to Tunisia. And uh, so I'm like, well, I might as well go take a look and see uh, what's going on. And uh, lo and behold, <laughs> uh, turns out uh, the Chiners have been there for quite a while. And they've been building, uh, let's see, they have $20 billion in government construction contracts. They've been building uh, schools, roads, of course, all of this for the uh, spoils of the country. And uh, as it turns out, and this is what confused me, and maybe you can help me in the, uh, in the history, in uh, the 90s, the uh, dictator there, because, of course, they also have an evil dictator, uh, not with a cool name, though. Do you know the, the, the guy's name? The guy, the guy's name, uh, who's on first? Yeah, exactly. The uh, Algerian dictator. Uh, not off the top. Of my he head. has a. He needs a, a PR. He needs Hill and Knowlton to help him out. Abdelaziz Bouteflika. Yeah, it's not a good name. This is no. not roll. It's going to be hard for Don Lemon to remember how to say that. He won't be able to. Yeah. I can't remember. Bute, you Bouteflika. Just told me. Bouteflika. Bouteflika. I don't know if it's Bouteflika or Bouteflika. Uh, but he has uh, ruled Algeria with an iron fist, using the same state of emergency clauses that kept the Egyptian regime powerful for so long. And in the 90s, he uh, killed 200,000 people. And it's oh. funny, because I can't remember the no-fly zone in the 90s. 
Well, we don't do. Apparently, we're paying less attention. Larry, <laughs> I don't think I don't. We didn't care about it. Was people. A, it was the go-go decade. <laughs> and parties and, and dot coms, and we were having the time of our lives. Screw Algeria. Yeah, we didn't care about it at all. I was just really surprised. So um, now they do have. Uh, they got. Uh, they got some goods there. They got some oil. They got some good stuff. Good good stuff going on there. So. Um, I guess they're teeing them up, but uh, wow, what a call. Fantastic. Great job. Really good job on that. And in the morning to you, John. In the morning to you, and in the morning to all ships at sea and boots on the ground and feet washing up on shore. Yes, and of course, all of our uh, human resources in the chat room at noagendastream.com, noagendachat.net, uh, all charged up and ready to go. And if you have your foots in the oceans, in case you hadn't heard, here's the official report. A chilling discovery today just north of Seattle in Vancouver, B.C. CTV News reports a running shoe containing what appears to be a human foot and leg bones washed up in False Creek near the Plaza of Nations Marina. It's the 12th discovery of a human foot in the coastal region from B.C. to northwestern Washington in four years. So far, police don't suspect foul play in any of the cases, which are believed to be, have been detached naturally. In I love that. Yeah. It's like no foul play. Wait a One minute. foot keeps <laughs> showing up. And it detached naturally. What? Uh. Yeah, they've made this case. They made the case that uh, uh, that that for some reason, if it's encased in a shoe, it's natural. Uh, the the you know I guess the fish and everything they kind of gnaw away and then they end up cutting the ankle bone off yeah and then the foot washes you know keeps floats off because of the, of the shoe uh, it's usually a, that's why it's always a hiking sh- or a, 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 like a jogging shoe that floats but how can you a say floater how can and you it say keeps the foot afloat and it floats <laughs> over to the washes up how can you say no foul play is it's a freaking foot. Well, I, yeah, I know. The question is, what's the foot doing there in the first place? Right. There's no foul play. The foot was not harmed. It, it severed naturally. I don't but know. They, <laughs> but they've, apparently they've traced at least three of the feet to missing men in Vancouver. Really? And, I, and, I, and I'm pronouncing it correctly, Vancouver. Vancouver. So uh, we have noagendafoots.com. Uh, I don't know if it's been updated, though. I did look at it yesterday, and it had not been updated with the latest information, so I'm not sure who. Uh, see, it's not updated. This is very bad. Last update, uh, 8th of March, 2011. Whoever is managing noagendafoots.com, please uh, update your uh, your site. This is not good. I mean, finally... It lost interest. <laughs> well, see, this is, this is what happens. Just it's a drawback to volunteerism. Yeah, that's true. That is a drawback. You know, somebody gets a job or they lose interest or they got a new girlfriend. Yeah. What are you doing that for? Yeah, what, what are you doing that for? Don't you know you it's feet? Pay more attention to me. <laughs> don't you know it's feet? It's not foots. What are you, nuts? Noagendafoots.com. But just in time, John, for September 9th. The United Nations is warning of a resurgence of bird flu, and it's urging greater surveillance. The UN says a mutant strain of H5N1 appears to be spreading in parts of Asia. Last week, a six-year-old Cambodian girl became that country's eighth victim this year. <laughs> And uh, for those of you who did not know, September 9th in theaters, an all-star cast. We've got Matt Damon, Kate Winslet. Um, we've got, uh, what's the guy, uh, the the black guy? Uh, Howard Jackson. Yeah, uh, no, no, this guy. Unfortunately, she did die. Right. Can I go talk to her? Mr. Amoff, your wife is dead. What are you talking about? What happened to her? What happened to her? 
Is there any way someone could weaponize the bird flu? Is that what we're looking at? Someone doesn't have to weaponize the bird flu. The birds are doing that. Yeah! <laughs> weaponize the bird flu! <laughs> so we just need to know which direction. On day one, there were two people. There's that guy. Four, and then 16. In three months, it's a billion. That's where we're heading. They're calling out the National Guard. They're moving the president underground. People will panic. Get away! It will tip over. The truth is being kept from the world. Cook your samples. Destroy everything. Yes! We're all going to die. Lawrence Fishburne is uh, who it was. Lawrence Fishburne. Fishburne. Fish Footburn. Whatever. So, uh, wait a minute. Let me get this straight. <laughs> How does this work? You're telling me that the <laughs> bullcrap news organizations out there are promoting this, this resurgence of bird flu, which we, by the way, could have covered a couple weeks ago. We did. No, one. we did. We talked about contagion several weeks ago when the yeah, started to like, bubble you know, up. Yeah, it's a couple, you know, apparently there's some activity taking place in Southeast Asia, but it's such, it's minor yeah. and uh, isolated. But you're telling me that they're doing this because there's a movie coming out, so it's it's gone up to the top of the news. Well, that'll be interesting when the New York Times picks it up. Then we know that movie's just about to hit. Yeah, well, September 9th is when it comes out. So, uh, yeah, and it's it's bird flu, and all of a sudden the bird flu picks up. This is, uh, it, I think it's just stupid journalism. I, I'm sure that the, it's uh, Warner Brothers, this movie. They've got a good PR team. They know how to do it. So they're out there. They're like, uh, you know, they've got their, their people in Asia. Hey, hey. Hey, man, I think that kid died from bird flu. Make a news release. Come on, come on, come on. But this does come from uh, the World Health Organization, which we know is corrupt. And so it's very possible that uh, that there's some funding going back and forth. Like, look, you know, it's time. we got to get the vaccines. Of course, we have to have a vaccine that, that we got to have a new vaccine because the old vaccine, this is a, a mutated version of the bird flu, John. It's not just the old H1N1, H1N1932. It's a new version. Well, the so. other was the swine flu. The bird flu, we never right. had a vaccine for. Right. Well, can't we develop one? Can't we go into some kind of panic? Well, they've been trying. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's always just so conveniently coincidental how this happens. That's all I know. I'm looking for something. In, in, I'm looking for a coded message in today's times. I'm not seeing anything. Um, our president, uh, our president here in Gitmo Nation uh, West, continues to try and. Uh, I guess he's got a speech coming up uh, next week, and he's going to tell us how he's going to get some jobs. Um, you know, the best way to uh, to keep your job is don't quit. No, is not to have the president show up at your company. Oh yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> this is uh, we all. Everyone loves this story. Yeah, this is uh, March of 2010. The president in uh, Northern uh, California. The incredible cutting edge solar panels that you're manufacturing, but also the process uh, that uh, goes into the manufacturing of these solar panels, and it, it is just uh, uh, a testament to American ingenuity. Yeah. Dynamism. Dynamism. And the fact that <laughs> dynamism. we continue to have the best universities in the world, yeah. uh, the best technology in the world, and most importantly, the best workers in the world. And you guys all represent that. That's right. You rock. Thank you very much for that. You rock, you rock, you rock. Is dynamism a word? Is, it, is that a proper use of the word? Dynamism? Yeah. yeah. Dynamism. Uh, so on the heels of uh, this visit to uh, Solyndra, and and five hundred million, half a billion dollars. Yes, five hundred thirty-five million dollars in loans guaranteed for the company. Uh, this past week, Solyndra filed for Chapter Eleven bankruptcy. 
Way to go, Presidente. Way nice to go. Nice dynamism. Yeah. With that, with it, it, they <laughs> Rock, had a flair. Rocking on the dynamism. And by the way, it wasn't just the president who, uh, who was in on this scam. Solinda received numerous awards and recognitions, including appearing on the MIT Technology Review list of the 50 most innovative companies in the world, the Wall Street Journal list of top 10 venture-backed clean tech companies, and the Wall Street Journal, the next big thing, the top 50 venture-backed companies, and a 2009 Excellence in Renewable Energy Award from the Renewable Energy World magazine. So, what does that tell us? It tells us they were good at getting publicity for something <laughs> apparently they couldn't produce. Yeah. Yeah. How come it's this a is... a sucker's game. Yeah, this has not really been news, though. It's been news locally. And, uh, because no, it's been news. It's, the right-wing guys are all... Oh, really? Oh, okay, I didn't know yeah, that. big time. Oh, I didn't know that. Limbaugh, you know, uh, uh, Hannity, they're all, they're oh, all really? laughing oh, their asses I didn't off. Know. Speaking of Limbaugh, now, of course, I don't listen. I don't listen to any... I, I mean, I don't watch, I don't listen to anything. Except C-SPAN and you know and the, and the regular channels. I think Rush Limbaugh listens to our show, and uh, he, although he's he's a dick because of course he won't say like I was listening to No Agenda and here's uh, something that I heard. And yeah, something. and he's got four hundred million bucks. He could he could cough up he a could fifty-five dollar yeah, donation. He could buy a freaking challenge coin or something. Um, so, do you remember what I said on the last episode? We were talking about Irene. What I did that I went to uh, Weather Underground. And uh, and I was comparing what uh, the CNN guys were talking about. Oh, it's horrible, horrible, horrible. And it was like twenty knot wind or something on the weather <laughs> underground. Eight. Yeah, eight yeah. at the airport eight. that they shut down. Right. So here's uh, Rush Limbaugh on his show uh, previously in the week. Someone, uh, one of our producers, caught this and sent me. It was actually sent me the clip, which is nice because you got to pay if you want to hear Rush Limbaugh after the fact. You got to pay for it. Some guy did something interesting, and I decided. Some guy. Some guy. Hey, John. It's some guy and, and Buzzkill. To check it myself, he's a doubter, denier, and he um, he's, he's watching the reports of seventy-five to eighty-five to hundred mile an hour winds in Virginia, North Carolina. So he went to the Weather Underground site, <laughs> and he went to a bunch of cities. Now listen to his coded message to us, though he 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 does throw in a little code, but it's still pathetic. And towns. That were where the hurricane was, and the highest wind speed he could find was 33 miles an hour. Thank you, Rush. We got the message, dude. Next time, send us 50 bucks, will you? Well, that's a chicken shit thing. Well, he is a douche. Of course, he take, takes our our fantastic research, which consists of going to a website. I'll be honest, it wasn't like a huge Beside the point. accomplishment. But yeah, that's, it's horrible. He didn't do it. He no. didn't go to the website. He didn't do the work, the footwork, as it were. <laughs> the foot's work. No, it was like annoying. Annoying. So the website people should go to uh, for all this stuff is a, uh, is a weather guy that's up in uh, the Pacific Northwest that my wife is just addicted to his site uh, called Cliff Mass. It's Cliff Mass, C-L-I-F-F Mass, M-A-S-S dot blogspot dot com. And on his Monday, August 29th post, titled, When Did Irene Stop Being a Hurricane? Oh, he yeah. makes the, <laughs> the point that it never was a hurricane. That's what he says. <laughs> he says there is really no reliable evidence of hurricane-forced wind, forced winds at any time the storm was approaching North Carolina or moving up the East Coast. And he just excoriates the weather guys for saying, he says the fastest he could find was 
He, he says, first, what is a hurricane? The official definition of a hurricane is a tropical cyclone with sustained winds of 64 or 74 miles an hour or more. A gust of 64 knots, 65 knots, which 64 knots is 74 miles an hour. A gust of 65 knots or more does not indicate a hurricane unless the sustained, sustained reach 64 yeah. Yeah, knots. Not, or not the gusting. Yeah, I know. I know. It never, and you know what? You know who sent me this link? Molly Wood even sent me this link. She's like, oh my, oh my goodness, you guys were right. Never was, it never even was a hurricane. But I, I think I've got this figured out because, of well, course, go well, ahead. I want to add one more thing to this, which mm-hmm. is uh, on the on the clips. Yeah, I there probably is, have the same clip. FEMA. There, well, this this clip, you, I, I kind of caught it in the well, clipping it kind of thing. But there's one clip on there. Uh, uh, this uh, they're 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 discussing on one of the stations the. Uh, some woman is in the in, in waders and uh, stomping around the floods in New Jersey, mm-hmm. and she just casually says something that just caught my attention. And do you have it the one there about New Jersey floods? A woman in waders. I don't have the list. Uh, out of their homes three times. Yep. Well, just to give you, yeah, just to give you a sense of where I am, standing on the ledge of one of those vacuum cleaners at a car wash, now dipping into the water, so you can see how how high the water is, and putting this piece of paper in there to show you how fast the current is is flowing it's cold here yeah there are uh, like 18,000 people in new jersey who have remained evacuated 3,500 of them remain right here in this county so they're out of their homes and they don't like it but anderson you know what this is like the third time for some of these people that they've been out of their homes this year first time for a hurricane two other times because of just bad storms yeah well thank you I lived, Hello. I lived in New Jersey for 12 years. It flooded all the time. All the time. The mall would be flooded. You know, the Willowbrook Mall, the Livingston Mall, you know, the parking lot would be flooded. It flooded all the time. Of course. Yeah, so now they got another flood because this was a tropical storm with a lot of rain. Yeah. It wasn't a hurricane. They exaggerated. They closed down the airports unnecessarily mm. in New York. It cost the people lots of money. It cost the economy lots of money. This thing was a fiasco. It was a scam. It was designed to make Obama look like some sort of a genius because, you know, he could handle a massive hurricane hitting the East Coast, unlike Bush, who couldn't handle the one hitting New Orleans, apparently. No. Although they didn't do shit. Uh, the wow. FEMA people didn't do anything about this either, but it was like bogus. It's completely bogus. And of course, we got some email from people saying, "Well, as people died, you know." Yeah. By the way, I should mention that sixty-five hundred people in the United States die daily. Yeah, uh, one hundred and fifty or so from car accidents every day. And uh, yeah, some people died, but they it wasn't because there was a hurricane. They died because it was a bad storm and some other issues. And, and I also love the 3.3 million without power. And it's never specified as a 3 point. First of all, it's 3.3. Hello, coded message 33. Is that uh, 3.3 million homes, 3.3 million people? You know, how big is that according to the region? What's that of a percentage? And I got a, a nice email from my sister because uh, she did uh, try and reach uh, Don and Meg there in Armonk, which also uh, got some rain. And, uh, of course, their cable went out. Well, geez, cable goes out here five times a week in the in Los Angeles. Right, it was under clear skies. Yeah, and, and the cell phone was working. But then the, it comes back like, they have power, but 80% of Armog doesn't. I'm like, how do, how do we even know 80%? You know, it's like so much disinformation. And, 
and I, I, that, I what just is the point of making exaggerating. I know this why. I know why. A, I know it why. It was a bad storm. Okay. I know why. I know why. Remember, we have the Council of Governors. This is the new thing that President Obama set up uh, at the beginning beginning of the year. And uh, it's a homeland security thing. That's why I see Lucy Napolitano. And, of course, she's in charge of uh, FEMA. It falls under uh, homeland security with that FEMA guy, the bad dress. I mean, couldn't the guy, like, have a uniform or something? He's got, like, a patch. Is it that not very good looking? And uh, this was, uh, it's really a bailout for the states. Chris Christie of New Jersey asking for $10 billion in emergency FEMA uh, funds. Oh, you wait for the floods that, that yes. already happened twice yeah. before and Ten, you didn't get to ask the money? So this is just a big money grab scam. Yes. And, okay, so here's here's a little bit on FEMA because, of course, and I wasn't really aware of this until I started looking at some of the websites, and there's some funny ones that we could even take the little test because, you know, if you answer 10 questions right, uh, you are eligible for money. See, this is a, you, this is for the stupid slaves in the nanny state to go out. And I, I deserve some money because I live on the coast and I live in the floodplain. And so here's FEMA, who of course has no money because where does this money come from? Uh, it comes from us. Carolina, he is on the Homeland Security Appropriations Subcommittee. Which- and this is some this is a douchebag. Uh, uh, I think a representative from New York. And, of course, he's on board with the program because he wants money. Which is responsible for FEMA's budget. Representative Price, thank you for your time today. You saw this funding crunch coming. What did you and your fellow panel members do about it? Uh, Not enough, I'm afraid. I uh, have uh, said for weeks, as we've had uh, disasters uh, throughout the country and now, of course, faced with this uh, Irene disaster all up and down the eastern Disaster! that we simply must replenish the uh, disaster relief fund over at Homeland Security. And what's more, we need to uh, we need to designate this as the law provides emergency spending. This mm. is a genuine emergency. Emergency, oh, emergency. Uh, the notion that we would hold this up until the Republicans can prompt another budget fight and figure out uh, what they want to cut. Yeah, and blame it on the Republicans, whatever. So the only guy who was calling this correctly, of course is Ron Paul. And he's been on almost every single show and there was a it was too long to, to play and I couldn't really clip anything. He got into an argument with Anderson Pooper about it. Uh, but no matter where he is, he now now this is the um, although I think it shows how incredibly intelligent and right this guy is, it is probably the death knell for him because now everyone is every stupid slave is thinking, how can anyone in our government, in their right man right mind deny money for victims of this inc- horrible disaster storms disaster storm and of course that's exactly what he's doing he's saying this is ridiculous this is totally stupid and uh, it's uh, setting people up to take advantage of the system and and well here he is on uh, i think Cavuto's show which wasn't quite as uh, annoying well, well, who's FEMA? Uh, I mean, it's the people, it's the taxpayers. Do we want to go to fur- The question is, do we want to go further into debt to bail out the people that we encourage to build in dangerous places? The whole program is wrong. They've distorted completely the concept of, uh, of insurance. Uh, it wasn't ins- insurance is supposed to measure risk. Instead, we guaranteed that if you did risky things, we would bail you out regardless. And uh, the uh, flood program, insurance, 
insurance program, it's bankrupt. I think it's around $20 billion in debt. So it's just another program. But FEMA happens to be one of the worst. There's no other program or bureaucracy that I had to deal with in Congress that I got more complaints for than FEMA. People really don't like it. And I've never supported this. And I live on a coastal district. I've gone through these hurricanes. We go to bath for the constituents because they've been told, you know, get into programs and we'll bail you out. But they don't get bailed out. All they get is an invasion uh, of, uh, of, uh, of national people. You know, oh. the bureaucrats coming in and interfering. Yes. And it's, but what uh, happens? it's a disaster they create. Well, what happens? You know there's going to be a call, a cry, a hue and cry. More disaster relief, whether it's FEMA or not FEMA. Let's spend a right. lot of money to bail out Hurricane Irene, which was very difficult in many places here on the East Coast. What is your response right. to that? There's going to be a call for emergency spending. Right. And there's one way I would actually vote for it, and I propose this when... And then he goes into a, a whole way that he would do it, but... Essentially, so he's going, and that wasn't Cavuto, that was uh, the the guy I actually like on uh, CNBC, whatever his name is. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. So, uh, but, but, so, but, he, but he's right. I mean, FEMA is, a sen- so first of all, you're right, it was completely for Obama to look great. He's in the war room with Lucy and FEMA, and we're checking, rah, rah, we're all over this, yeah, we came back early one day from vacation, rah, rah, rah. and I'm so awesome. And then uh, on the other hand, these governors are like, I, I got a broke-ass state. Um, let me see. What does New yeah. Jersey owe? Yeah, and Chris yeah. Christie's a good example. And he, yeah. and he's also a threat to run for president. Most people think he could easily beat Obama. This is a good quid pro quo. Look, you give me the $10 bucks, I'm, uh, out, I'm out. Race. I'm out. And then I have one more, one more short clip from uh, C-SPAN, of course, that is, above all, the best network on television. And this is one of their own programs, which, uh, you know that you're not allowed to, to – this is not uh, – it's not public domain, their own programming when they have an interview. That's like... Yes, it's very clear on the website. Yeah. So, uh, arrest me. Uh, well, ha- it's, it's still fair use. Yeah, it's you fair use. What you can do with the, with the difference in this case with C-SPAN is that you can, like, take their whole programming of, of Congress and put it on your website and kind of promote it without even promoting C-SPAN. But if you're going to use their material, you've got to get permission to do the exact same thing. But you can always clip from it. Okay. So, I've, I've uh, clipped from it. This is under the fair use doctrine. Uh, they, have the, they have the government uh, climate, what do they call him? Climate dynamics specialist. And he kind of, yeah, exactly. So these are the guys that are in charge of telling FEMA, amongst others, and the government what to expect. <laughs> but he comes up with such a gem. I'm like, the whole climate, climate change debate is over after you hear this. So we study the atmosphere, the ocean, the land surface. <laughs> including the biota, the organisms that live on the land surface. And we try to understand how they all interact to produce the sorts of variations that we observe. Why is there a difference, or why do you differentiate between climate and weather? Ah, this is the big one, John. The difference between climate and weather. I've always been, apparently, a very smart man already answered this for us, and this should be an evergreen clip. Well, weather, I mean, there's a famous quote from uh, Professor Lorenz from MIT who says that that weather is what you get and climate is what you expect. And so and what that means is that, I mean, if we look out the window today, we see that the, the weather here in Washington is a beautiful, sunny, calm day. Uh, the temperatures are going to rise into the mid-80s. And, and that's exactly what we expect for late August. But if you go back a week, uh, we were having torrential rain. It was cloudy. The wind was blowing very vigorously. And that's not what we expect. So, in principle, we could say Irene was the weather, and today we're getting the climate. Oh, okay. 
just so I understand, that's what you that expect. Means, that is the most meaningless piece of drivel <laughs> I've ever heard. It means it absolutely has no function in the world. Yeah, exactly. But he's got a it's good gig. Bull, it's just total <laughs> bullcrap. He's got a good gig, though. We need one of those gigs. Oh, yeah. This guy's making hundreds of thousands of dollars with this crap. 174, probably. No, it's awesome. It's completely awesome. It's so bad, man. Yeah, climate is what you expect. Weather is what you get. Well, so climate change then is what we expect, but not what you predict. And please. Whatever. Yeah. So, uh, well, on the subject, the right-wing guys this week were all over uh, Al Gore equating (laughs) racism. Yeah, Yeah, hold on a second. Let me play the... uh... The science is in! Science! So so I was listening to the clip, and I... (laughs) I kind of gave up on trying to make the equation because it was just basically Gore rambling, and he brought up his this racist anecdote about how when he was a kid he couldn't understand racism, but his parents or some elders told him what it was all about. And so I so I, when you de- just deconstruct what he has to say here in this clip because when, when you do it really has got two points in there about racism and about him. And about the Southern mentality, at least his Southern southern old plantation mentality, that have nothing to do with climate, but it's interesting in and of itself. And, tr- and listen carefully to what he says. My generation asked uh, older people, explain to me again why it's okay to discriminate against people because their skin color is different. And when they couldn't really answer that question with integrity, the change really started. And we still have racism, God knows. But it's so different now. It's so much better. <laughs> okay. So racism today is different and much better much than the old-fashioned racism. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what he says. And he says also that the only people that he, if anyone answered, why are we discriminating against black people? If they had integrity, which is exactly what he said, then their answer was okay. Because he very carefully says, you know, the, the people with integrity had an answer, and it was, you know, because they're inferior, who knows what. But he had to be people with integrity, meaning the politicos or his family. I don't know. But then, but the Smart fact people, that, smart people. But then he goes on and says that today's racism, racism is much, but this to me was just as a standalone, was much more interesting than his, anything that he had to say about climate change or that fact deniers are racists, right. which he never actually says. Well, he says uh, right after this clip, actually, he says, and we have to win the conversation on climate. So he kind of bunched it together. Yeah, he just jumps to the next topic. Right, right. Uh, but it seems to me that he went on a little tangent here, and the tangent was more revealing in so far as what he, the way, and I think that the, someone was pointing this out that the Democrat Party, in general, which has always been the oppressive party to blacks, have somehow cajoled blacks into uh, accepting the way their racism is, which is the new better racism, I guess. <laughs> it's, wait, hold on a second. And now, new and improved, it's better racism, brought to you by the Democratic Party. So I found that highly amusing. I love it. Nobody has deconstructed that, by the way. They just went on because they're all, you know, this climate change thing is so at the the top of the list of the right wing, uh, you know, uh, knee jerks that they they missed the the funnier part. I don't know. Well, that's why we get paid the small bucks. (laughs) Yeah. Rush Limbaugh makes four hundred million dollars. Yeah. And steals our material. And then. uh, Hey, thanks, Rush. Thanks, dude. Thanks. Thanks for the donation. Yeah. You know, I mean, he pays more than 
He pays more than $55 for his cigars. Yeah. So anyway, uh, let's give, give a thanks to a few executive producers. We have one executive producer and three associate executive producers. And I will tell people out there that considering this is a Thursday. It's bad. This was a very, very thin week. Very thin. Which was the one that was Pelsmarkers are predicting on Sunday, but... Well, Pelsmacher is uh, on board with the program. He wants to keep our show on the air. He gets it. Yeah, well, these other people, uh, except for our donors here, uh, are, are lax this week, at least for the period between Sunday and now. Vernon White, though, uh, Black Knight, apparently, from Pearl and Texas, who'll get knighted later, needs karma for his new gig to help me uh, not have to deliver pizzas. Donated 337, by the way. Maybe no more unemployment after 24 of the last 26 months. Wait a minute. He's unemployed and still donates to the show? Yes. He's a good man. That's, uh, let me just let me hand out some karma for him. Hold on a second. He really deserves that. You've got karma. Uh, by the way, uh, he already is a knight, sir. Oh, uh, uh, well, we have him down. Well, did you show, you know, he's a birthday. Yeah, right? a birthday. He's the black knight. He's had his birthday. I, I misread yeah. the, That's all right. the icon. That's, all right. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm here. I'm glad you are here. Uh, Christer Headforce. Uh, Headfors, I guess. Headfors and Jarfala. Where is that? Where's Jarfala? I don't know. We have to. Somebody look it up in this chat room. $250 uh, uncommented. Uh, Mark Borghese. In Las Vegas, Lost Wages, Nevada. Sweden. Of- Jarfala is in Sweden. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, Christer. Okay, well, that's good. Sounds like a Swedish name. Uh, Lost Wages, Nevada, uh, 202. <coughs> because of listening to your show, I was able to see in advance that the Hurricane Irene was a bunch of bullcrap. When my parents were concerned about their condo in Ocean City, Maryland, I offered to pay for any repairs from the hurricane if they agreed to pay for plane tickets for my family (laughs) to use the condo next summer. Yay! All I can say is... Excellent. (laughs) All I can say is thanks for the free trip to Maryland, guys. (laughs) Right. Hey, so that's good. He gave us the equivalent of half a plane ticket. That's nice. Thank you. Yeah, it's not bad. That's awesome. David (laughs) Koss in Euless, Texas, $200. He'd like to uh, an extra dose of karma for his business. Uh, Cossum.com, K-O-S-S-O-M-E. Let's hit, pronounced hit, hit like the karma. Awesome. Here we go. You've got karma. Actually, I know David. He's been helping me uh, with some stuff. And he's possibly about to close on a huge contract and really needs the karma, which he just got. It will give him more time with the family. And thanks for hitting him in the mouth on a regular basis. Yep. Um, and that's all we got for today's uh, producers. Mm. The producer class of listener. Mm. Uh, one executive and two associates. And uh, when people to remind you to go to Dvorak.org slash NA, channel Dvorak.com slash NA, uh, noagendanation.com, and also noagendashow.com, where you'll find donation buttons. You can track us down. And usually we just try to program your brain. So close your eyes, open up your mind, and listen to this. Dvorak.org slash N-A. And we um, have a couple of PR initiatives that have uh, come in to the system. Uh, these are typically domain names that forward to noagendashow.com. Uh, you can use these because uh, you say, hey, you should listen to these guys. You should listen to these guys. And uh, if it's like no agenda show, I mean, that might be too complicated for someone to remember. So you can now just say Rick Perry is an idiot.com. Right. Just go to rickperrysanidiot.com and you'll find us. Yeah. Uh, Or teamos2.com, which I find, you know, if if there's like a really old kind of technical guy, he might appreciate that. Uh, We also have wemustwinthefuture.com. Ooh. Yeah, that's a good one. How did we miss that one? I don't know. Well, it's there. Remember that? That was a meme that Obama kept trying to... uh, 
promote during one of his State of the Union. Winning the future, winning the future. Well, actually, it was, uh, remember uh, Austin Goolsby said it was the, the marketing guys? Yeah, the messaging guys. That's what the messaging guys of the White House. Not Obama's, the messaging guys. Uh, win WTF, the win the future, winning the future. Well, that didn't work out. No. Because WTF stands for you know what. Yeah. Uh, chorusofcondemnation.com. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm sure uh, Lucifer Clinton will be very happy that we are promoting her uh, her somewhat mangled uh, meme. She's she's gotten it wrong a couple times, but it is chorusofcondemnation.com, and that's now forwarding to noagendashow.com. Uh, I think we might have mentioned this on the previous show in the donation segment, but uh, we now, uh, courtesy of our lone squirrel, uh, who of course does the excellent uh, mixes for us every week, we have dronewars.us, homemadedrones.com, doityourselfdrones.com, uh, and all of these are forwarding to noagendashow.com. We think those are excellent. Uh, it, down under, uh, thank you very much for doing this, Julian in Melbourne, uh, noagendashow.com.au, very important, so it feels like there's some homegrown uh, vibe to it. Then we also have uh, ftenow.com, there's also some bumper stickers that uh, go along with this, uh, FTE is Fix the Economy, ftenow.com. So uh, that may be a meme that, and we have info.net and .org. This may be a meme that catches legs. I don't know. Uh, this one, I, I don't understand. Catches legs? Gets legs. Catches air. Runs fast. Loses foots. Colin F., I have no idea how he got this, but in the morning, everybody.com hmm. uh, is now forwarding to the show. And then uh, from Canada. From our uh, buddy up there, uh, who was uh, listening to the uh, CBCs, and uh, let me see, this is the show, what CBC show is this, David Gray, uh, the question is, what do Canadians want and expect from a political leader? Now, when you, when you are, so he didn't actually call into the show, it was a show with uh, with calls, but they, I guess they also take tweeter messages. Uh, it was kind of cute. What do you got done? Email. It's a checkup at cbc.ca. We have an active conversation going on on Twitter as well. Here's a, a message that just came in saying, Oddly, I seem to like our political leaders once they are out of politics. They're always better than the current leaders. Interesting. Also, a second caller, or a second Twitter message saying, I'm looking for a leader who will wake up in the morning and have no agenda except working for Canadians. <laughs> <laughs> it's cute. You know, it doesn't really yeah, promote the show. Uh, and, <laughs> it's kind of funny that the guy like I want <laughs> I want political leaders to get up in the morning and have no agenda. <laughs> nice, it's nice, but we really need like you know Rick Perry is an idiot dot com or anything. We we need to, you know the best thing you can do if you can't uh, support the show financially is to uh, is to get more people to listen. And I don't think anyone uh, responded to our call out uh, to get on the the C SPAN open phones. I don't think anyone did that. I think our listeners are shy. Well, they're definitely the ones that I met. Most of them are introverted, but w once you get some alcohol in them, it, it's okay. Oh, maybe we should we should make them drink more, <laughs> sauce them up. We a have, little bit. Well, you can do that with just more bad news. <laughs> sauce them up. Let's just just do nothing but depressing bad news. We'll drive them to drink. That'll and, put and, them on the air. Right. <laughs> hey, this is the, oh, I'm on the Democrat line. <laughs> uh, no, it's, always going as a Democrat. Rick Perry is an idiot. Dot com. <laughs> All right. So we thank Vernon White, Sir Vernon White, to you and me, Black Knight, of course, uh, as executive producer of this program. 
Krister Hedfors uh, is... Krister uh, is, uh, is a, an associate? Yeah. Oh, Krister's an associate executive producer. Uh, Mark, Mark Borghese, also associate executive producer. And David Koss, associate executive producer. Uh, thank you very much uh, for giving us some hope this week of food. Uh, that's highly appreciated. And uh, as always, uh, this is a real credit uh, you can put it on your business card. If you have an IMDb, you can put it there. I mean, look look at the uh, what the, what this company had. You know, all their awards, which were completely meaningless. This is something real. And unlike the phonies in Hollywood, we will actually vouch for you if you need to. Someone can just call us up, and we'll say, "Yeah, he did it." Everyone else, propagate the formula. Our formula is this: we go out, we hit people in the mouth. Come on, say it with me. Shut up, slave.com. I got a call. I got a. I'm sorry, what do you call that? Not a callback? Do we, do we call it a. Is it a callback to a What's previous a show? Is it a callback? Okay. When you get what? Uh, when, when I go back to something we discussed in a previous show. You always keep correcting me. Is it a callback? Yeah, it would be a callback. A callback? Well, callbacks are usually short little references to something that happened earlier. Okay, so this is something that happened on episode 329-er, and it was uh, from a PBS program with a dude in uh, Syria, and then actually became the title of that episode. Let me remind you of this uh, fantastic invention the uh, rebels in Syria being interviewed in Turkey uh, have come up with in order to charge their cell phones while uh, in the field. With uh, uh, batteries, because our batteries are running out. And no electric to recharge your equipment. So for phone calls, we create a new uh, way. It's actually a simple way to uh, recharge your phone. We use to a glass of water with two batteries, Duracell or something else. It's already exists everywhere. We use it to keep the batteries in the water for one hour or 30 minutes. Then you put the uh, USB uh, adapters inside the water. And start charge. Right. So, 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 and of course, the PBS uh, interviewer, uh, Mc, uh, what's his name? McLeod? McLeod? Laps it up like a dog. Doesn't, yeah. Just doesn't question it Laps whatsoever. It up. Yeah. Then, of course, uh, Gizmodo posts this three days after our show, and, uh, and they tried the experiment. Didn't work. So now on uh, PBS.org, there is a response. Um, uh, the uh, the creator of this piece, uh, uh, has resp- uh, yeah. talked to Omar. Well, here's their response, because, of course, this thing is bogus. Uh, quote, Omar emailed me back over the weekend. I spoke to him, and yes, there has been a misunderstanding over this battery charging description for which I can only apologize. The glass used for charging was actually a mug and didn't contain water. Water wasn't used to charge the phone at all. All they did was put a battery-powered portable charger inside a mug, which they carried to protest, and that way it wouldn't look like they had a charger. It was concealed in a mug. I mean, you're telling... I mean, how stupid does this get? How do you get from point A to point B with this story? It's a lie. It's a lie. The guy's clearly saying they put batteries in the water for a half hour to an hour. Yeah, you played the clip of the guy specifically saying batteries in the water. Yeah, and here and then the USB cable. Yeah, electricity had had been cut in Dara for the best part of the week. Omar explained that the batteries on their Blackberries and other phones 
would often run out during protests, so they needed a way to recharge on the go. However, they couldn't carry any bags with them, as that would draw the so, suspicion. But they could carry a coffee cup. A I guess mug. they were in the office. <laughs> a mug. Walking around with a coffee cup. Well, you know, I'm just drinking coffee. <laughs> I, I'm not a protester. I'm drinking coffee. So, so these mm. guys can't even admit that they were stupid, and no. so they make up something even yeah. more idiotic. Yeah. <laughs> And by the way, how does a what, does a does the mug plug into the wall? I mean, your battery chargers need to have some 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 power source. I just break. This, this is, is PBS, this, though. This is the public broadcasting system of America. The people that the government gets money from and yeah. people donate to. Yeah, yeah. Just send us your cash. Oh my goodness! So. um... As I said, Omar was really troubled by this, and I have absolutely no reason to doubt it was anything but a mistake with language. Really? It was pretty clear to me. I don't believe these young activists have any incentive to elaborate on the tough conditions they face, knowing as I do from three years living in Syria just how ruthless the security forces are there. Bull crap. Totally just, ugh. Play it again. I mean, it, it, I mean, it's so clear what this guy is saying, and he is lying. He's just making something up. Here we go. With the uh, batteries, because our batteries running out, and no electric to recharge your equipment. So for phone calls, we create a new uh, way. It's actually a simple way to uh, recharge your phone. We used to a glass of water with two batteries, Duracell. Or something else <laughs> already exists everywhere. Wait, I think it's, I think he's getting paid for Duracell. Oh, that's a Duracell plug. It's a plug. That's what it is. Yeah. Hey, hey, man, man, give me like a hundred bucks. I'll plug your name on PBS. We use it. Keep the batteries in the water for one hour or thirty minutes. Then it's very clear. Battery batteries in the water. Battery, one hour or thirty, 30 minutes. minutes. Very clear. You put the uh, USB uh, adapters inside the water. In the water. In the water. This is so clear. And start charge. It's a magic. That's how we charge. The That's water. how we charge. It's a magic. I mean, uh, we have a cup, and we have in the cup we have. This uh, waking up is fluoride in my cup. That's what you must be drinking to believe this apology. PBS. Well, not only that, but I mean, the original thing, the fact that he didn't catch the it, the stupidity of what is nothing more than a short circuit under any circumstances. <laughs> Have you ever been to like third grade? It's I mean, like classic PBS, and I and I guess the public, you know, I, I don't know anyone else who noticed this. They just lap it up. Yeah. He laps yeah. it up. They lap it up. Love it. It's unbelievable. Love Nobody's it. Nobody's got, I mean, what does it take to just go, wait a minute, this doesn't make any sense. So there's a couple of things going on, as um, and uh, I, we do have some for, foreign news, but uh, there's just so much interesting stuff going on, going on here in the uh, United States of Gitmo Nation. The president, of course, is trying to raise money uh, to win the future, and uh, I th- I believe, and maybe we should start off with that. This AT and T T Mobile merger, which now apparently is on the rocks. I believe, John, just looking at it on the surface, and you may have a different take, that this is the Obama administration uh, putting the screws to AT&T to cough up some money. Like, we're not oh, yeah. going to approve your merger unless you donate. Do you agree? I would. Ha- I, I, don't, I have written about this merger, yeah. t- talking about how bad it is. 
But uh, and only Al Franken is the only one who seems to have any balls to to, to fight it. He's on the committee, uh, right? Isn't he uh, in charge of? Isn't he on the committee? For he's this? on that committee. Yeah. And everyone else is just, oh, how thank you for being here. Awesome, awesome. And, and thank uh, you for your service to, and there's, to the communications I, I think it industry. Probably is a gouge. Why not? Well, this. So I. I mean, that's all I see. Right? Is like this has to be a gouge because, of course, everyone. I mean, AT and T spends a lot of money on lobbying. All the telcos do. And to me, it just seems like pff, there's no other way that this can be taken. And we'll so I presume you predict it's gonna it's gonna go through, right? Yeah, eventually yeah, it's gonna go through. So to, that, the, to the detriment of the United States public. So of all the things that uh, that are happening right now, the president comes out into the rose garden, and uh, and this caught me by surprise. A couple of things caught me by surprise, um, and. Uh, he brings up the transport bill, which we just went through before his vacation. And by the way, Michelle did take the other 747. He took he took his plane. She took his other plane. To, uh, yeah, heaven Vineyard. forbid that they have to sleep in the same yeah. bed. $50,000 a week. The And that they're not paying for that themselves. At least, you know, screw George W. Bush, but at least he went to his own ranch. I wasn't paying for that, was I? No, probably no, not. No. So, um, right for the security, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. Squirrel! So, uh, he comes out, he's going to talk about the transportation bill, which, of course, b- basically just got kicked down the road just a little bit, uh, so everyone could go back and uh, enjoy their vacation. Now, I, you'll probably recall that when I looked into this extension of the FAA, um, appropriations bill, and that, which is a part of this whole transportation act, which has to be renewed, it always gets renewed. That really underneath the covers is a huge union thing because the unions have been wanting to get Delta Airlines uh, into, you know, get them unionized. And, of course, Obama has to pay back the unions since they they contributed so much money uh, for his previous campaign. And now they're back on deck saying, uh, hey, yo, son, son, time to get that done, son. You want some money right now? You want some money? So um, he's going to speak on the transportation bill. Comes out into the Rose Guard. This is, I, you know, maybe it's because C-SPAN that it has. The, and I was never watching C-SPAN with previous presidents, and I just never noticed it before. But but listen, I mean, this is the Rose Garden, right? It's like so. The, the only thing that's there is press. We're sitting there. They just you know they're sitting there with their cameras, and then first a whole bunch of dudes come out, and we'll find out who they are in a second. And then this. So listen. The reauthorization of the Federal Aviation Administration. That reauthorization expires in mid-September. While we wait for the president, a, actually the president we expect in uh, just a second here. Ladies and gentlemen, the president of the United States. <laughs> so since when does this happen in the Rose Garden? He gets an announcement, like there's a PA announcement for him to come trotting out. Does he trot out with his hands up in the? Yeah, no, no, no. Little squirrel-like walk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does a little, little jog down the steps. And yeah, then, with uh, his hands, with his hands up, kind of up yeah. near his collar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. Please have a seat. Good morning, everybody. Yeah, hey, morning, everybody. Please have a seat. So he gets an announcement in the rose garden. I want that. You know, when 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 I have guests over, I just want to walk into the room. It's like, ladies and gentlemen, the crackpot. I, I just need an announcement like that. Uh, so uh, I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at all these guys. Like, and by the way, <laughs> does anybody that's there at the Rose Garden not know who this guy is? Yeah, like, excuse that's me, like who are you? <laughs> well, maybe 
Who's this guy? Wait a minute. I recognize all these other guys. Hey, Ray LaHood. I see you. How you doing, Ray? Who are you? Ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States. A little over, a little Caesar-esque, if you ask me. So, uh, so there's like a, so I recognize and who these dudes are. Ray LaHood's there, and there's another dude who I'll get to in a second. And I'm like, who are these other dudes? What are they doing there? And if it's delayed even longer, almost one million workers could lose their jobs over the course of the next year. That includes some of the folks behind me today. Oh. <laughs> You've got uh, Adam Vensel. Fired. And Chris Negley. You're fired. Uh, who are with the Federal Highway Administration. <laughs> We've got Hector Seeley and Andrew uh, Austin Anderson, uh, who work for the Fort Myers Construction Company. <laughs> if we don't extend this bill by the end of September... They, they'll die. All of them will be out of a job. They'll die. See these guys. It's, this is like saying, if you don't give me money, a, a kitten, I'm gonna shoot a, this dog. A kitten will die. <laughs> and seriously. Die. And these guys are going. They're like, oh, that's oh me. they're gonna make it have no work. <laughs> that's me. I'm not. Hey, if they can live it up sitting around the rose garden behind <laughs> Obama and hanging out with the guy, I think they're in pretty good shape. I'm. I'm. Uh, uh, I'm gonna get fired. Yeah. So that. I mean, that was a very disgusting tactic to me. As I can just see, like. Clue for whoever it is, you know, saying like, let's put a face on this. We got to put a face on this. And these guys look kind of sad. You know, they're kind of scrawny. You know, <laughs> these are construction guys. I've never seen such scrawny, lanky constru- construction guys. Oh, I'm going to get fired. And then he pulls out uh, the American dream. Right now is when we need to be making these decisions. Now's the time for Congress to extend the transportation bill, keep our workers on the job. Now is the time to put our country before party. And to give certainty to the people who are just trying to get by. Yeah, that's me. Give me some certainty, Prez. I can't believe he's staying with that. And, he, and more, more, I think more disturbing to me is the fact that the Republican Party has not picked up on this meme and thrown it in his face. Just get by. Because no one actually listens. No one listens no, to what's being said. because the whole said. thing's rigged. Well, that too. It's the same people running both parties. And so now I'm looking at these dudes. I know who the... So these are the fired guys. These are the kittens who will get shot. Who, and this one guy, look, he looks like a, like a football coach. Like, I know this guy. I know this guy from somewhere. This transportation bill has been renewed seven times in the last two years alone. That's why my Secretary of Transportation, Ray LaHood, a Republican, is with me today, along with uh, David Chevron. Uh, from the Chamber of Commerce, and Rich Trumka oh, of AFL-CIO. That's the guy, Rich Trumka from the union. So this whole, so it's so bad now that the union, the president of the union, goes into the Oval Office and says, "You get your ass. Out. I brought some dudes here. You get your ass out there. You tell people these people are going to be fired. And by the way, you better get that transportation bill signed with my union demands in there." The guy is up there and he's standing next to the president. Next to him. Well, that's disturbing. <sighs> yeah. So uh, Obama is out to get money. That's what he's doing. And the governors are all there trying to get their piece with the, with the fake Irene. <sighs> yeah, the fake Irene. Anyway. So uh, let's see what we got. Um, it's not depressing enough. <laughs> I, I have tons of depressing stuff. 
Uh, well, I got a good one. The Tripoli Zoo is doomed. Oh, no. Don't tell me lions stood still or something like that. Not getting enough to eat. Suddenly, we get some answers. The zookeepers just arrived, so I'm going to ask him about the animals. Salam alaikum. Keith Alec. How are you? Fine. Fine, fine. So what about the animals? Are they getting enough food? The lions, the tigers? He tells me for seven days, the animals got nothing. Now, 10 of the 200 staff have returned. They're trying to feed all the animals. The big cats get only half the food they need. But their biggest problem is water. He takes us to see the hippos. Of all the animals, they seem the most forlorn. The keeper tells us that he tried to get some more water in here. He even laid this plastic pipe on the floor <laughs> right into the tank here with a hippopotami. <laughs> but it didn't work. And they're just left with that rank, fetid water that even they don't seem to want to go into. They're struggling to keep up. So many animals to feed. Hyenas, bears, monkeys, deer, emus. But it's the big cats, the meat-eaters, they can't feed enough. Water is these animals' most pressing need. But it seems without help in these sweltering temperatures, all the animals here are going to continue to suffer. Okay, I have a prediction. Yep. And it's going to become a scandal. Okay. They're going to feed the other animals <laughs> to the tigers and lions Oh. And they're going to do a feed-off. So they're going to feed the, the gazelles and the antelopes <laughs> to the tigers. And then they're going to feed some, some of the dogs to the bears. How about some, of those, they, some of those black dudes? <laughs> some, they're going to start feeding the animals to each other. And somebody's going to get wind of it. And they're going to make it a big, it's going to be a big to-do. You uh, watch. No, I, I, you can put that in the book. <laughs> it's in the book. The rhetoric is really, they're really turning it up. And, um, and there's this one, the BBC is the worst. So now, of course, we have all of these uh, weird correspondents who uh, who are none of the main anchors. They're all you know. We had on the last show, we had well, we found Gaddafi's RV, and look, he has food and he has toilet paper, and uh, and this woman from the BBC. Through the, I was watching more of this this week. They're going through the house, and the house is not. It doesn't have, like, Van Goghs on the wall. No, it's not. They have it's, a couple it's, bottles of scotch, and yeah. this is a scandal. It's horrible. It's Johnny <laughs> it's like, Walker Blue, I tell you. He has a couch. How can this man have a couch? <laughs> he has a swimming pool. He's we'll have a, none of that. <laughs> yeah. The peasants don't have couches. They don't have walls. If, I mean, it's, it's just it's ridiculous because he doesn't have... It's not like Saddam's mansions. It's just palace, a bunch of shacks. Has, yeah, this is, you know, and he has a nice place on the beach, which... Uh, by the way, it used to be a great tourist resort. You, know, you could you could go to Tripoli. It was beautiful there on uh, on the beach. Yeah, it so, was. It was. Yeah. So now here's this uh, this woman from the BBC, and she's inside the Department of Homeland Security in uh, in Tripoli. What's interesting though is just like all the graffiti, all the documents are in English. And I'm going to actually watch the video and tell you what I'm seeing while it plays. The regime kept many of its secrets here. So now, she's like. And this is a new thing they're doing. It's like rattling on the gate, trying to get in. You know, it's all drama, dramatized. <laughs> and they're inside. They have like a flashlight. You know, they're, they're using. And she's lit with a flashlight. Like all of a sudden, they didn't. They didn't have a, a light to, to light they her properly. Lights all over those cameras. Now, Are you listen, kidding me? I'm going to read these documents that she's finding <laughs> and the stuff that's on the wall because it's all scam. in English. It's all in English. Look. Yeah, yeah. But today we were able to walk right in to the Homeland Security headquarters. <sighs> 
testaments remain to the dark arts. Okay, here it says, help keep our classified business secret. Don't discuss classified information out of the HQ. That's on the wall in the Tripoli Homeland Security Office. English? Just here. We found operational charts. Okay, operational chart. Possibility to locate any person owning a cell phone. Accuracy around 200 feet. This is all in English. By tracking anyone with a cell phone anywhere in the country. And guidance on identifying new potential suspects. Here, features recording targets communications. Social network for targets. Search in the past for newly identified targets. What? I don't understand. My mind is like turning into mush. What do they speak in Tripoli in the, in the government? Do they speak English? Apparently. I mean, it, it, the only thing I can think is that this is CIA. I mean, whose headquarters are we talking about here? Nothing is in is in Arabic. No, uh, what is it? Cyrillic? Is that the uh, the script? Uh, it wouldn't be Cyrillic. No. The, yeah. The squiggly, squiggly lines. Squiggly. No squiggly lines anywhere. And the best is yet to come. This is where Colonel Gaddafi spied on his own people. In English. And it seems... The guy, the guy couldn't speak English out of a paper bag. Have we, have the, we, have right. We the, two, the two languages that are spoken in, in uh, Tripoli, specifically, or actually all of Libya, is, is Libyan Ara- Arabic, which mm-hmm. is a specific a dialect, version, a and Berber, and the official Berber. language is Arabic. Isn't Berber where the carpets come from? It's a type of carpet. Yeah, those are really nice carpets. Well, that shit's over. All right, so listen to this. Now she now, now she's lit. But you have to see this video. It's and in the by show the way, notes. by the way, Libya. I'm just looking at this wiki page. I for, I for, we always forget that Libya was rel- relinquished by Italy. Yeah, so, so it would be, it would be, be Italian. Sort of throwback language. It might be Italian or French. Or French. I just put it into the uh, chat room so people can can play along. So now she's lit by a flashlight. <laughs> You should see it. It's it, it's hilarious. How stupid do you think we are? And and she's holding some printout, some papers that are printed out. Just this found is the BBC. documents yeah. lying in the corner uh, over there. This document was just lying in the corner by the printer, I guess. They appear to be a record of intercepted emails. You can see here interception poor, interception zero, <laughs> interception open. She's reading the English. Interception poor, interception uh, zero. Now, what's interesting is that a lot of the names in these documents are foreign and a lot of the phone numbers are in the UK. We pushed in deeper, but there we are still We pushed in deeper. And, here. <laughs> and now she's rattling cages, look. The elevators. I can't get in. We can't be oh. sure what they lead to. No. But we've been told there are detention cells. Well, shame on you, BBC, for this over-dramatized piece of crap reporting that you've put out there. It's just unbelievable. And here the lights are all on, but we're in the secret cave. Then we have to have to have the flashlight. Like there's no light on the camera. What kind of camera guy you got there? It's just compl- yeah, they got these. He's got these these flamethrowers on those cameras for night use. So now we have Nick Robertson. Now Nick Robertson is billed as the senior international correspondent for CNN. If you look his bio, look, look into his biography. He was what's the, the name of guy? What's the name Nick, again? Nick Robertson. Nick Robertson. I, I told you about this on a previous show. He was Wolf Blitzer's satellite operator uh, during uh, the fake Gulf War One. So what he did was literally like set up the dish 
and uh, established connection with CNN from their green screen in uh, Riyadh or wherever they were. You remember all of those fake videos. So now the guy is like the senior international correspondent. And he's dramatizing it as well. So he finds, just in time, by the way, the Lockerbie bomber, Al McGrahi. Oh, yeah, this is hilarious. But listen, but I don't know if you saw the the whole setup. So he's trying to get into the compound. Found Abdul Basid Al McGrahi's villa in an upmarket part of town. At least six security cameras and floodlights outside. This is McGrahi's house. This is where he's been living for the last couple of years. We're going to knock on the door. See if we can get any answer. <laughs> it's like to catch a predator. I mean, it's exactly the same camera crew and editing. Hello? Hello? For 15 minutes or so, nothing. I'm not sure if they've heard me, so let's try the last ditch means, which is just now, shout over the wall. Now they have him climbing up the wall. <laughs> hello? <laughs> hello? Hello, hello? <laughs> hello, hello. And this was, you know that this was shot all after they already did the, the footage inside. This is just like B-roll. It's like, now we got to dress this uh, report up a little bit. Let's uh, pretend like we can't get in. Then, all of a sudden, someone comes. Nothing prepares me for what I see. Huh? McGrahi, apparently in a coma, his aging mother at his side. So, I, I mean, I don't even know if this is McGrahi. This... Yeah, you know, you almost get the impression that the idea was this McGrahi fiasco, which we believe, if people have listened to the show long enough, was part of a quid pro quo based on the fact that there's evidence to show that it wasn't Libya that did the Lockerbie bombing. And it was uh, it was some sort of a CIA thing that went wrong. Right. With the drugs, bad. with the with the coke that they were transporting. They got and uh, there was a lot of evidence. There was a lot of if you go back to the period that it happened and start reading the news reports in the London papers, they really got into it. And then it was shocking to the Londoners, especially the press there, that they came up with this 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 McGrawy idea. Yeah. And then they they did a kangaroo court and pushed the guy into jail before they could do anything because there was a uh, a kind of a uh, I guess a, a a little battle going on politically with with the Gaddafi and the United States. Right. And this was the way to get, you know, we to get the 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 level playing field with uh, Libya so we could do some deals with them. And so, they, so the whole thing was covered up. And then it's assumed that there was the evidence that finally came out because there was some threats of trying to re reopen the case. And the next thing you know, they let the guy go out of the blue. They just say, okay, you can go home because you're going to die. And, yeah. of course, the guy, then the guy never even showed any signs of relapse. Yeah. And now it's becoming a problem because of this, this recent Libya activity. They got to get so rid of him. They got to get rid of him. So whether he's dead or not, they show a guy who's dying set right. up by the satellite operator who's trying to get into the compound with six security cameras made by Logitech, by the way. A bunch of webcams hanging around. And they uh, show every news organization showed the guy in the in the bed. So to, to to assuage the public, which is especially the British public, was getting irked by the fact that this guy's still floating around. And now, oh, he's dying. Okay, that I guess that's good. Cleared Let's up. Let's go back to work. Cleared up. So the only thing I'm missing, because uh, of course this is what's so outrageous to me, is we have these elaborate BBC reports. We've got. Oh, hours and hours of B-roll footage of rebels shooting around. They've got their fifty caliber on the back of trucks. Uh, on the back boom, of pickup boom, trucks. Boom, 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 boom. Now, we have flown. I have the number here. Actually, I believe three to four thousand sorties 
and carpet bombed this country. I have yet to see one, one piece of videotape of the bombing. Have you seen any, any bombing of Libya whatsoever? No, not a and the single funny thing. thing. Is, uh, everyone has a cell phone in that country with a with ability to take videos. Not a single video has been published that I know of, or even posted. I, if it was posted, I'd love to yeah, see. Yeah, all we get to see is a, is guys either shooting Kalishnikovs into the air or shooting them at a building that which you never even get to see the building. By the way, my favorite one is there's guys running past the building and shooting <laughs> aimlessly, and but then no one ever turns the camera to show us what they're shooting at. No, because it's wag the dog. It's all fake. There's nothing. They're it's shooting fake. at nothing. nothing. And then those guys on fake. those trucks, boom, boom, with those anti-aircraft guns just firing away at God knows what. They never show the other end of that. But this the, is how television works because your brain fills in all the rest. This is what we know. This is how television is put together. And we've become so conditioned by movies and television series that, oh, of course, I saw it. Well, yeah, I mean, I saw the rebels fighting, you know, but not for one second have you seen these thousands, thousands of drone attacks, carpet bombing, and it hasn't stopped. I uh, now I'm subscribed to the NATO channel, natochannel.tv, I think it is, and they've got a spokes hole and a half on this thing, and she comes out. And she's clippity cloppity clippity clop. She's got the red uh, the red jacket on, uh, the Hillary jacket. She's got the she's got the full regalia. She's got the the necklace with the big big blue stones on it, weighing her neck down. You know, like oh, I can barely keep my neck up. And I, 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 I'm astounded by what I'm hearing. Uh, uh, where here we are. The NATO mission is important. It's effective, and it's still necessary. Necessary. In order to protect civilians. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. It's to protect civilians, John. Uh, that's why I got it. Protect civilians. As long as threats remain, there's still a job to be done, and we will get that job done. Now, what was the job? What was the job that had to be done? I well, thought the it was job originally no- was to protect some town out of the blue. No fly zone. No fly zone. Right. And uh, somehow has morphed into getting rid of Gaddafi in days, not weeks. And uh, then it's, I don't know. I, I have no idea what, day, well, what this is all let's really about, except to, to secure the country for, for the forces of the, of the uh, Europeans. Well, let's hear a little bit more from the spokeshole, and I'll wrap it up with what it's all about. The mission will continue in full compliance with the United Nations mandate for as long as it's needed, but not a day longer. Mm-hmm. It looks... <laughs> Days, not weeks. By the way, they had a, a the whole mandate was no fly zone, but I guess that included just bombing everything. Looks as if we're nearly there, but we're not there yet. Well, nearly there, John. Not quite. Little more bombing left to do. In the last week, we've seen vivid reminders of where the threats are coming from. We've seen the grim pictures from Tripoli. Now words matter. And the allegations. Allegations of mass graves executed prisoners, and a hospital full of dead patients. Now, did you see any of this? Did you see, did you see the hospital full of dead patients? I have not seen the hospital full of dead patients. Mass graves? Did you see the mass so graves? So you go in, you go into the hospital. Hey, let me, can you, could I come in? Yeah, come on in. And you go in, to and the, the whole hospital is filled with dead patients. They didn't have the wherewithal to leave the hospital. They just stayed there and died. 
We've seen. Well, you know, I can. I think you can go to Kaiser over here and go to the uh, the emergency yeah, you can room and dead probably people. a few dead patients just uh-huh. sitting We've there. Thoughts of how the regime has been using mosques, schools, and marketplaces. Shield. She forgot the Viagra part. I, I what wish is you... this? What is this? Is old? This is the old. The, they're using an old script from the Bush administration about using all these, you know, shields, human shields, mosques, shields. We can't bomb a mosque. You know, it still works though. That's why no, no one questions this for its weapons. We must make sure that these threats are gone and that they're gone for good. Hey. Until so, so, the, so we have to get rid of the mosques, the schools, and the hospitals. We've got to bomb them. Those are the threats, apparently. Civilians and cities in Libya are safe. Safe. So that the Libyan people can build a new future based on democracy, reconciliation, and the rule of law. Ooh. Well, the rule Once of law NATO's job up. is done, it's for others to take over the lead in supporting Libya. We expect the United Nations to take the leading role, and we've already seen that it is doing so. Ah. NATO could support upon request. Last week, as you know, the North Atlantic Council agreed that any possible future supporting role for NATO must satisfy three criteria, a demonstrable need, a sound legal basis, and wide regional support. I must stress, though, that no decision has been taken, and the focus for now remains very much on getting the job done under the current mandate of the United Nations Security Council. We will get the job done. Sick hell. We will get it done, and we will not a day longer or less, we will get it done. We have ways of getting it done. This woman is a Nazi. The whole NATO operation is Nazis. Yeah, well, the whole the right, so, of the EU action is Nazis. Yeah, so a couple of things, and then I'll just get off of this topic. So the RAF, the Royal Air Force has flown 140 million pounds worth of Libyan banknotes, which uh, is the equivalent of 280 million Libyan dinars, uh, to go fill up the ATM machines. But here's the kicker. The cash was printed in the UK. How does that work? They're just printing up... That's a good one. They're just printing up money. Again, from the BBC, by the way. It's the first tranche, which is an investment term, of 950 million pounds that will be handed to Libya's central bank. So they're just like, just, hey, you got, you got any toner in that thing? It's <laughs> <laughs> just printing up money. And then they show pictures of a woman like at the bank. I'm so happy. I have, I have my dinars, which kind of proves that this whole thing was not, was about oil, but also about the, uh, about the central bank and about the money. So I guess the, the Brits are just printing up the money now, which kind of kills me. Well, co- it's possible that some of these smaller countries use offshore facilities to print their money, secure ones. I mean, uh, I would assume that you know not everybody has a, the the wherewithal to print the advanced kinds of notes that are out there in, in today's world. You just need a laser printer. But Libya, well, the, the problem, you know, I want to remind people out there if they think that laser printer is going to do the trick, you can make a note. Oh, but laser printers are all coded. Yeah, every it, one of them. Not only that, but most of them now will actually uh, like uh, if you try to. Print from Adobe Photoshop. It will if you if you copy uh, a banknote into it. Adobe Photoshop will say you're not allowed to do it. A warning pops up pops up in Photoshop. I'm reliably informed. Well, the p- fact is, every printer has a on every sheet of paper it prints has a code. puts a series of yellow, uh, impossible to see yellow dots. Right. Yeah. And uh, I think the way you get around it is you run. Uh, not that I'm advising people to do stuff like no, this, but no, no. I think if you ran the sheets of paper through five or six different printers, there'd be so many dots on there, no one <laughs> ever figure out what it was. 
So to wind this up, uh, just a, a little, if you look at the Wikipedia page, the Book of Knowledge for Libya, there are a couple of things that are very interesting. You know, they've also changed the anthem. It used to be Allah Akbar, and now it's uh, Libya, Libya, Libya. I'm trying to get a sound Libya, clip. Libya, what is it? Who wrote this <laughs> thing, <know>. Steve Ballmer? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. We should make that. What does really matter? Libya, Libya, Libya. Yeah. No, I don't know who wrote it. Probably uh, the same guy who writes Rihanna's hits. I don't know. But uh, there was a guy on uh, Russia Today, uh, which, is, uh, of, of course, uh, everyone has their own agenda. But I do love it when they bring in the dudes via Skype. And in uh, one minute and 15 seconds, he tells us exactly what this is all about and, and what the whole Libyan thing is. And it's, uh, it's worth listening to. You could actually share this with your friends and tell them they can hear more of this good stuff by going to rickperryisanidiot.com. And to understand why they did that, we have to understand that this war is fundamentally a war to maintain Africa in a subordinate position in the global economy. Um, what's been happening, and this all has to be seen in the context of the rise of China as well. China, China in the last five years has been investing massively uh, in, in Africa in a, in a way that's unprecedented in terms of building infrastructure uh, and manufacturing industry. Now this threatens the whole, um, for the, the Western uh, ascribed role for Africa for the Western um, financial institutions and corporations is as a provider of uh, cheap labor, in fact, often slave labor, and uh, raw materials. Now, what Chinese manufacturing investment is going to do is potentially uh, allow Africa to to uh, export finished products rather than having to constantly export cheap raw materials. Now, how has the U.S. decided to deal with this in the only way it knows how, militarily? I really love that. That makes sense. like... Thank you very much. That's it. It's like we want to keep Africa stupid slaves and we want them to just give us raw material. What, you want to make products? No, no, son. That's not how it works. And the Chiners, you know, the Chiners are, I, I got to tell they're you. They're causing I, trouble, those guys. Yeah, they're causing a lot of trouble. But I have respect for them because they don't, they don't go in and kill brown people. They just trick them. Yeah, but they're very good at that. But it's a little different, you know, and, and I love how this guy says, you know, the Americans go in. The only way we know how to do is we kill them. <laughs> yeah, we don't have a lot of finesse. We don't have any class. We well, just we just we got, don't. We got we like to blow things up. I mean, our uh, we celebrate our uh, anniversary as a country by, by shooting off things, blowing, blowing things, things blow. up. We we're not that much different actually from uh from our brothers and sisters there in Libya. You know, no, they, they like to shoot too. Yeah, they like to they, shoot in the air and they, the bullets flying. These guys, I like the one the BBC reporter. They go, there's all these crazy Libyans are behind or just standing around behind them in the Tripoli, shooting their Kalashnikov straight into the air. And she says, "Well, you know, whatever goes up must come must down." Come down. They, oh yeah, no, lots of people get killed from the bullets coming down. Yeah, they're just shooting like crazy. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. Anyway, backslash Libya. So. There's a couple of things I got here that I wanted to go into before uh, we take another break. Wow, um, is it that time already? No, we got a little time. We got a little time. Well, first of all, uh, I have I just took this clip as a kind of an amusement clip, which we could play any time, but I might as well play it now. Uh, this is a, somebody uh, on, you know, I unfortunately didn't get the guy's name, but he was doing a little piece for one of the news channels on the Jersey Shore becoming the number one cable show Above all those, you know, Fox News and all the rest of it, Jersey Shore is the number one show on all cable. 
And so this guy went out with his camera. I mean, anyone can do what this guy did, but it's always funny to hear it when somebody goes out and asks questions about, you know, the real world and then Jersey Shore and the, and the idiots on the street. They don't know anything about what's going on in the world, let alone Libya, but they know everything going on at Jersey Shore. What's GTL stand for? Jim Tan Laundry. Jim Tan Laundry. GTL, baby. Jim Tan Laundry. What does ATF stand for? At the... <laughs> Food? I can't remember what that stands for. Alcohol, tobacco, and firearms. Yes. <laughs> Can you guys name for me the Jersey Shore cast members? Polly D, Vinny, Snooky, Jay Wow, Ronnie. Can you guys name Obama's cabinet? Oh, it's a cabinet. This is quite a spectacle. What are they famous for again? Drinking, partying, and getting themselves in trouble. Some of the girls get crazy in the hot tub. Is that how it is down here at the Jersey Shore? I'm from Jersey. I would never do that. You don't pass out drunk. And get arrested. I don't get arrested. You just pass out drunk? Sometimes. We're doomed. <laughs> that is the American public. We are doomed. Doomed, I tell you. The I- thing is, you could take that, that the, the camera on the streets and do that anywhere. Anywhere, anywhere. And, and 90%, you know, there are people that know, you know, you know that. Yeah, but we don't that, put they, them in. We don't put those into the You never the put piece. them in. No, you but there's still, I don't care, you know, you don't put them in, it's true. You make, a, you make light of the whole thing by... Yeah. But the fact of the matter is, even if you put them in, it would be a small minority. Yeah, I do have uh, an ATF uh, clip since they were taught since uh, the what is it the the food industry? <laughs> what was ATF at the food <laughs> at the food? Is that a new fast food restaurant at the food? <laughs> uh, this is about uh, the Fast and Furious. This is Obama's Watergate, which uh, he might get away with. By the way, right? Two big changes here, Chuck. This is involves something called Fast and Furious, which was an effort by oh, ATF yeah. to try to trace the flow of illegal guns from the U.S. into Mexico. And what they did was they would watch these illegal buyers uh, purchase guns in the U.S and then take the guns into Mexico. But agents were, were instructed not to try to stop the guns because the theory was that you would see how the system worked. Well, it, it went awry. Thousands of guns, uh, nearly 2,000 weapons ended up in Mexico. And two of them were found at the scene in December of last year when a, where a U.S. Border Patrol agent was killed in a shootout. It was widely criticized. There have been a number of hearings on this in Congress. And today, the man in charge of ATF, the acting director, Kenneth Melson, was reassigned to a policy job at the Justice Department. And out in Arizona, the U.S. attorney, the top federal prosecutor there, Dennis Burke, uh, has resigned. A senior Justice Department official says, in essence, that the Attorney General Eric Holder had lost confidence in the two of them and that he thought a fresh start was what ATF needed here. So this is the latest fallout over this, uh, this uh, operation that everybody at the Justice Department now concedes was a mistake. So they didn't fire anybody. They took the guy uh, responsible and reassigned him yeah really this is classic isn't it this is typical government work wow you can be the biggest screw up in the world and 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 threaten the presidency but you don't get fired nobody gets fired it's it's just unbelievable yeah i don't yeah wow I think that this is not going to become Obamagate. I mean, it should. It sh- definitely should. Because it's obvious should, yeah. Obama knew about this. Yeah. And it's a, it totally illegal, and everything they did was wrong and bad, and bad for the country, and bad for the war on drugs, as it were, and all the rest of it. And it, it's going to be swept under the carpet by the mainstream media who just will not do anything to go after Obama. And another thing I'm observing, which is kind of interesting, is that the real party leaders on both sides of the aisle are trying to lose the next, next election. Um, what do you mean by that? I, I think they want to lose the next election because everybody looks at the 
uh, the economy and they know it's going to really go into the tank after 2012 like right, right. and it's going to hurt them yeah whoever's in office so they just don't want to be a part of it and so the huh. so so the dem the republicans are trying to find some i might as well say it some loser like rick perry who couldn't get elected if he wanted to or michelle bachman who's pleasant enough but she's not electable uh, they they want to run one of those two. They don't want to run anyone who has a shot at it. And, they keep, and especially Mitt Romney, they don't want to run because he could win. And if you listen to the Democrats, they keep promoting the idea that the Republicans should be running Mitt Romney. Why do the Democrats care at all? The, the Democrats will be highly critical of Rick Perry. Oh, he's terrible. He's a terrible guy. They shouldn't run him. They should run Mitt Romney because they know Mitt Romney could beat Obama. This is becoming a let's try to lose the election election. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it comes out. But it's going to be, it's going to be a, you're going to be a very. In fact, I'll make this prediction now: the the turnout for this election will be one of the lowest in history. Because well, that's it's going good. To be, that's actually very, very good. Well, it's still going to be whoever it's going to be. I think Obama's going to get reelected. Oh wow! Well, uh, here's what I'm going to do, and here's here's what I would recommend. Uh, because we, we really, I only. I think I only have one more shot in this lifetime. You know, who knows if this show will be on the air in the next presidency? We'll probably have to have some kind of license, and we won't we won't qualify or whatever. So this is the only shot I got. I I have I have to say I'm going to go register Republican and uh, vote for Ron because you can't even get Ron Paul. Uh, you have to get him into the into the Republican nomination first. In California, you, you can't do you can't be right. an independent and vote. You have, Republican. you have to be Republican. So I'm going to have to go right. And, There's against, a big movement. Against Big all move. of my uh, my principles, obviously. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm a uh, register as an independent. I'm gonna have to re-register uh, re- as a Republican so I can do the same thing. And there's a lot of people. There's a big movement afoot amongst the Democrats, young Democrats, to re- to to register this one time as a Republican to vote Ron Paul in in at least in states where you can do that. I really don't like promoting an agenda on this show, but I have one now. I mean, really, Ron Paul is, and I hear really smart people saying, this is what they always say, you know, Ron Paul, he really talks a lot of sense, but he's crazy. He's just, (laughs) that's just crazy talk. He's crazy. He's just crazy. Yeah, and I think the Republicans would like to run Ron Paul knowing that he'd lose and Obama would get in again. But there is a long shot possibility that Ron Paul could actually win. Yes, and I'm reading more and more of this. People actually in mainstream saying... They're scared to death of him. That's why they want to get him out of the picture. Hell yeah. They're going to have to do what they did with... uh, with Ross Perot, when they some you know yeah, guy in a black him. suit came up to him and said, "Hey, look, look at these yeah. pictures. <laughs> We're gonna kill you if you keep running." Yeah, look at you. See this? See Libya? Uh huh. How you like that drone, son? That drone just gonna come. You never hear it coming. You never hear it coming. Uh, before we get to our donation segment, there is one more thing I wanted to point out, which uh, was quite distressing to me. Shadow Puppet Theater. Uh, the president made a nomination. Um, for a new shill and a new shadow puppet in his uh, uh, cabinet. Uh, did you know Austin Goolsby was out? He's gone, right? Austin, yeah. the debate winner. So there's a new. And he go- was on the Stewart show the last day of his job, and he was just happy as a as a, oh, as yeah. a puppy dog. Oh to yeah, be out oh yeah. He he wanted to be out so bad. And uh, well, uh, here's uh, the nomination. Then I want to talk about this guy. That's why today I'm very pleased to nominate Alan Kruger to chair the Council of Economic Advisors. Come on down here, Alan. Come on down here, Sean. Uh, Alan brings a wealth of experience to the job. He's one of the nation's leading economists. 
For more than two decades, he studied and developed economic policy both inside and outside of government. In the first two years of this administration, as we were dealing with the effects of a complex and fast-moving financial crisis, a crisis that threatened a second Great Depression, uh, Allen's counsel as chief economist at the Treasury Department proved invaluable. So um, I'm like, always interesting. Whenever there's a new guy in, particularly the chief uh, economic advisor, uh, and of course his credentials come, I don't think they're so great, but he was in the Treasury uh, advising all that great stuff that got us to where we are. So do you know what this guy is famous for, John? This uh, Alan Kruger? Uh, Root beer? (laughs) No. He wrote the book on lone wolf terrorism. What's it got to do with being an economic advisor? You tell me. His book, and you can Google this. It's all over the place. It's on What's his, his name again? Alan Kruger, K-R-U-E-G-E-R. The title of the book is What Makes a Terrorist? And uh, he has in this uh, book uh, five myths about uh, terrorism. Oh, God. This picture in his wiki page, he's got... He looks like he's criminally insane. Just take You have to look at this picture. No, I've, Well, I've seen it, obviously. So here it is. Uh, number four. Terrorism is mainly perpetrated by Muslims. Wrong, says Alan B. Kruger. No religion has a monopoly on terrorism. Every major religious faith has had followers involved in terrorism. Sri Lanka, for instance. You go back far enough. The Rosicrucians had terrorists. After all, he says, it was not long ago that homegrown villains, homegrown villains, homegrown oh! low-wolf villains... Timothy McVeigh and the so-called Unabomber were the most notorious terrorists. That makes sense. The vast majority of terrorist incidents are local, motivated by local concerns, and carried out by natives. Even international terrorist events tend to be local affairs, most frequently carried out by local militants who target foreigners who happen to be in their country. And you will read in this book, which I, of course, have read for you, and you you can actually read through a lot of it on Google Books. Um... Many popular ideas about terrorists and why they seek to harm us are fueled by falsehoods and misinformation. Leading politicians and scholars have argued that poverty and lack of education breed terrorism, despite the wealth of evidence showing that most terrorists come from middle class and often college-educated backgrounds. In What Makes a Terrorist, Alan Kruger argues that if we are to correctly address the root causes of terrorism and successfully address the threat, we must think more like economists do. This guy, is he wrote the book on the lone wolf, white male, middle-aged terrorist. He wrote the book on it. Yeah, I guess so. And he is now the, the, the economic advisor for the president. I don't know, it just, it, to me, it's just astounding. Astounding. That I mean, it's so blatant now. Can we just go after everybody? Yeah, just shut down the country, uh, make every uh, American citizen a criminal, or treat them like one, and pat them down, x-ray them, and let them go. Pat them down, x-ray them, let them go. Pat them down, x-ray them. to no agenda. Imagine all the people who could do that. Oh, yeah, that'd be fab. Like I said earlier, we don't have a lot of donations for some reason. I guess the Sunday show wasn't very good. Uh, Keith Edwards, uh, Gilbert, Arizona, gave us $111.11, as did Taylor Stewart, Sir Taylor Stewart, actually, from Calabasas, who says, uh, it's been said before and it's worth saying again, karma works. My wife and I got some karma for house hunting. We found our dream property later that week 
in the woods outside of Flagstaff, Arizona, for 35% of what it sold for in, night, in 2006. Wow. Good deal. Yeah. And there's a lot, a lot of good deals to be had in Arizona. But now we need more karma, brother, to help finalize our escape from behind <laughs> the Iron Curtain of Mother California. That's going to be tougher. <laughs> Hold on. I, I need some of that myself. <laughs> Here we go. You've got karma. Good luck on that. Good luck. Well, I got the karma. But anyway, we've been living in a hotel with two 70-pound puppies. Stop feeding them and a 10-week-old kitten for a week because the Bank of America, whom we are buying from the home from, lost the paperwork and didn't register the deed when they foreclosed. Oh, no. They didn't notice until our deal was ready to close two weeks ago. Fifty. This is the Bank of America, by the way. They are the worst corporation in the world. I hope they go broke. Well, aren't, didn't the Chinese, the Chinas just buy half of them? I think the no, China Buffett yeah. bought a bunch of them. No, but after that, I thought China, some China. I, I never heard that. Yeah, well. To top it off, the movers are showing up with our stuff today, and we don't have a house to put it in. Oh, wow. Please send some karma our way. To, well, you just got it. Yeah. Get this mess straightened out, and please call it the Bank of America as the douchebags they are over this, and for everyone they've screwed over. They're just grabbing property, the whole thing. <laughs> it's just like, it's where's the, our government? They're supposed to be doing something, our great the, government. Here we go. It's the Douche Bank of America. Douchebag. Eric Brown, Felton, California, $100. Paleo Besa in Santiago. Uh, I'm not sure. Where's RM, you think? Uh, oh, Chile. Chile. Uh, Chile. Greens from Gitmo Nation, minor distraction. Uh, this <laughs> yeah. uh, donation is for de-douching for me, Paleo Besa, a douchebag call out for my brother, Pablo. So de-douche him. Okay, let me de-douche him first. Here we go. You've been de-douched. You are clean, my friend. The vaginal irrigation sack is gone. And then Pablo gets a douchebag call out. Douchebag. And we'll give him a uh, birthday thing later. Uh, he, anyway, he had a new child August 30th. Only 10 more kids to go before a knighthood. Uh, <laughs> he, he, want, he wants some karma for his kids, so let me hand that out as well. You've got karma. You go. Pelayo Felipe. 5533 from Sir Michael Miller and Tiburon uh, for my SIP, SIP, from the NAPU producers, yeah. NAPU. You know, they've uh, the, the No Agenda PBX system is set up. They've been beta testing. They may even do, I don't know if they're going to do a show after today's program or not. Someone in the chat, chat room will tell me. This is actually pretty good, John. So um, every No Agenda uh, producer can get a, an extension. So we basically have our own PBX. You get an extension. You can do conference calls. You'll be able to break in on the air live. You can leave reports. I mean, it's really quite sophisticated. The Rev is in charge of that and a lot of other people working on that system. So um, I'll look forward to it. It sounds cool. Uh, also, double nickels on the dime from Christopher Advent in Winnipeg. Uh, keep up the good work on the show, guys. Enjoy my donation of 5528 Canadian or 5510 American. I thought I'd donate again. This ridiculous, the Canadians is beating us by 18 cents. <laughs> I thought I'd donate again today. September 1st is my birthday, and I could use some karma to find a job after I'm finished law school next spring. Yeah, here we go for your law school. Good luck with that. You've got karma. And he, uh, she, or he, he, Christopher, is the uh, founder of Rick Perry's an idiot.com. Good work. Robert Wood also double nickels on a dime from Keller, Texas. Tell the banksters at Chase to go plank themselves. Chase plank. Bank being another bunch yeah, of douchebags. Douche yeah. Mitchell Featherston, uh, Marietta, Georgia, 5133. Please mention my website, thepublicdomain.net. I wonder what that is. I don't know. Check it out while I read off Aaron Huber in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida. 
$50, long-time listener, long-time douchebag. It's time for a change. I need some karma for my business, KYC Israel at KYCIsrael.com. I'm sure a plug won't hurt. Keep up the great work. Thanks. Let me just uh, hand, from, hand out He's in Israel, actually. Oh, You've good. got karma. So he's running a KYC, probably a Kentucky, or KYC, I don't know what that would be, but he's in uh, Tikva, Israel. Hmm. Uh, Anastasia Perov in Toronto, uh, $50, needs some karma. And... You've got karma. And uh, finally, uh, we have also uh, Greg Brunsell in Kenosha, Wisconsin, 50. Uh, Robert Durden, uh, 50. And finally, Kenny uh, Nguyen, I think. Nguyen. Nguyen, I think. Nguyen. It's a Vietnamese. Uh, I've, seen, name. I've, I've seen Kenny on the list before. Nguyen, is, I think, Nguyen? is what it is. Nguyen? I think it's okay. Nguyen. All right. Could be wrong. All right. uh, San Leandro, California needs some good luck karma tossed down my way. I'm a $5 month donor uh, sponsor. I'm based in Saigon, as already is not San Leandro. I'm trying to get the love of my life back. I lost her because of the things I've done. I hope they have a chance to get her back. Thanks, Kenny. Give him a karma and maybe he'll get. All right. Karma for you. You've got karma. And that's it for today's uh, show number two, whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. Hello, 337. Hello, 2011 calling, John. <laughs> 337. 335. Yeah, yeah. And by the, and uh, we want to remind people to go to noagendashow.com, uh, noagendanation.com. You can also buy some mugs there, I would recommend. Hey, you can uh, put your batteries in them. slash NA and channeldevorak.com slash NA, and you can donate there. And we appreciate it. Uh, all the people who donate even the smaller amounts. I got... Uh, uh, Eric was very sweet. He, because uh, you know, I lost uh, my my gold coin and my challenge coin from Iraq and my uh, original No Agenda challenge coin. So he sent me a couple of challenge coins. A three thirty three coin actually looked pretty nice. The one that he uh, that he made up, the the black one. Yeah, that's a, it's, it's got a lot of enamel on it. Yeah, <laughs> I think I used to make stuff like that. Remember back in the day, you had an enamel kit. Did you ever do that? No, I never did, but I've always wanted to. Did you ever do Tin Soldiers? No. <clears throat> I used to do this. Tin I had soldiers. a chemistry set. I had that too, but the tin soldiers I liked the most because you got to like, you know, you melt this tin and, and, and pour it into a mold and then... Yeah, you, I remember that. Now they won't allow any of these no. things to be handled by kids. Oh, you can't melt it's, lead. Oh, yeah. you know, it's dangerous. Oh, die. you can't have a chemistry oh, you, set. It's oh, dangerous. You burn yourself. Oh, yeah. Let's not have any of that. So we have a bunch of unemployed kids. So unlike the BBC, uh, who create complete drama and don't show you the pictures of the drones killing brown people in the sand, we actually try to uncover some of the stuff for you so that you are a little bit more educated and so that when you look at the news, you can chuckle. And I think that is surely worth a donation to support this program. Uh, as you've noticed, we have no commercial interruptions. That's because we uh, uh, exist and we pay our bills completely from your financial uh, gifts. So we highly, and by the way, they're not really gifts because we got to pay taxes over them. But we highly appreciate that and to program your brain. Dvorak.org slash NA. A short list, but always happy to say happy birthday to our uh, producers out there. Vernon White is uh, congratulating himself, which I think is illegal in 25 states. Palayo Besa says happy birthday to Palayo Felipe, born on August 30th, a brand new human resource. Uh, not an American one. I wonder if he's worth more in uh, 
in pesos or whatever they use over there. And Christopher Advent uh, celebrates his birthday today on September 1st. Happy birthday from uh, myself, from John, and, and the and the entire staff and management here at the No Agenda Show. Yeah. We're such a huge organization. Uh, John, yeah. second half of the show. I've been Two waiting. Two cans and a string. Second half of the show. I've been waiting for this, my friend. Uh, what are you waiting for? Well, I've been waiting to talk about this. I have uh, held off on this for weeks. No, nay, months. Months I've been holding off on this because I just wasn't ready. Because you know, you know how you ridicule me. I don't. <laughs> yeah, you do. That's all right. Uh, what Comet, sound effect device should I get out? Uh, you slide whistle. Comet Elenin. So uh, this is, uh, well, I'll play a little clip, and there's been a lot of discussion about Comet Elenin coming uh, coming October 16th to a theater near you. Uh, and I've been kind of avoiding this until I got... Comet Elena? Elenin, E-L-E-N-I-N. Um, oh, a Russian comet. Well, this is discovered by uh, Leonid Elenin, a, a Russian, actually an amateur uh, stargazer. Uh, who found this comet, and uh, uh, what uh, people are saying out there is that we're all going to die because of this comet. <laughs> and they've put a date on it, October 16th. Uh, so I'm going to play two um, clips for you, and then I'll explain why I'm bringing it up now and why I think there is maybe a little bit of concern, uh, at least for something. This is uh, Brooks Agnew. He's a, he's a writer. I think this is probably from Russia today. He'll just give you a little background on Comet Elenin and why it's uh, somewhat disturbing. about this? Well, that's a really good question. A lot of people are concerned about it. Uh, we've done a lot of research on Comet Elenin. And what we found is that there's a lot of missing data on this comet. NASA claims that it's a harmless little fuzzball of ice. Won't come any closer than 22 million miles to Earth. Uh, others are saying... Are, are you like, just, you have that thing in your face and you're just breathing and it goes off? Is that how it works? <laughs> that uh, they're getting... Uh, pictures of it that it doesn't look like a comet it doesn't act like a comet it's coming in from an area that comets don't normally originate from we have sort of a maelstrom in our galaxy where comets originate and this one's not coming from that neighborhood so the, there are a lot of things about this comet that don't make sense uh, couple that with the arrival of a very large asteroid Oh. Uh, along around the same time, coming in from a different angle, and the launch of the new emergency alert system on the same day of the arrival of that asteroid. And you have some very strange coincidences that it seems the officials are not being upfront about. So what incidents? I think not! So, uh, so this has been going on for a while. And I've learned now, you know, particularly when NASA says, says it's just a little fuzzball. Uh, that's when I got, hmm, okay, hold on a second. Someone's, someone's denying something. I always got to pay attention to that. And uh, I, I've been kind of letting it go because, you know, what do I know? I'm not an astronomer. And uh, usually when there's a date, you know, it's like, oh, the rapture is coming. You know, it passes by and then it's like, well, you know, the rapture will come next time. Um, but I, there's a, one of our very loyal No Agenda producers out there who uh, I've been in contact with for many years. He sent me um, a note. His um, mother lives up in Alaska, and her neighbor is a Fed, and he's up. You know, there's a lot of stuff going on up in Alaska. You know, particularly now that everyone's trying to grab the uh, uh, the the waters up there. The Russians are trying to claim it's there. Everyone wants the Alaska oil, and now that the ice is melted and the ships can go through, there's a lot of stuff. And this guy all of a sudden starts packing up his house 
and he's leaving for Colorado. And uh, and so this producer starts to figure it out, and he says he asks his mom. So it is second hand, third hand. He asked his mom to ask him, are you leaving because of Comet Elenin or Elenin or whatever, however you pronounce it? And the guy says, yes, because they were actually off by a month and something's happening in September, not in October. And uh, so he's hightailing it out of there. He's packed up his stuff. He's moving to Colorado. <laughs> and uh, so I'm like, mm, OK, I mean, I, I do trust our producer and I, I would presume that this information maybe this guy is being uh, is being fooled. But that sounds pretty realistic. And then I start looking around and I find a message a video message from uh, the Na- director of NASA, Charles Bolden. And he sent this message out uh, in June of this year to all of the employees of NASA. And there's uh, some very interesting things he's saying in this that I'd just like to uh, uh, comment on. They've given me a few minutes just to talk to all of, uh, all of you in our NASA family about emergency preparedness. Um, NASA recently participated in a FEMA exercise called Eagle Horizon that was a part of a continuity of operations in government. I always love it when there's an exercise and they're going to test some emergency system. It's always kind of creepy because when these tests go on, something often happens. Exercise that we do annually. And I became aware of some things that concern me about our family preparedness, and I wanted to talk to you very briefly. You know, we in NASA, we're an incredibly unique organization. We're the only agency in the federal government that's responsible for the safety and well-being of people, not only here on Earth, but uh, off this planet. (laughs) What people is he referring to that are off this planet, John? The people on the space station. How about the moon bases, man? Oh, yeah, the moon bases. That's a possibility. He could have just said, and the astronauts in the International Space Station. Instead, it's like, people off this planet. So um, my experience in the astronaut office, uh, my experience as an active duty Marine, uh, always talked about the importance of family preparedness and to make sure that we had a viable family support program. And I have concerns that ours right now is not uh, as good as it ought to be. So what I'm asking all of you in the NASA family, whether you're out on the West Coast, here on the East Coast, along the Gulf Coast. uh, Notice he's only talking about the coasts. It's only the coasts. Anywhere there's water. Up on the, the, you know, the Great Lakes. Think about the the natural disasters that could occur in your area. Think about attacks that could come like 9-11 from outside forces. Uh, Okay, this is what my brain hurts. Think about the attacks like 9-11 from outside forces, from the people from other worlds, off-planet? What are you talking about, dude? And talk to your family about your work and what they need to do to prepare for the unforeseen. Mm. Uh, Develop a family preparedness plan in your house. Uh, Have an emergency supply kit available. Most (laughs) people who live along the the Gulf Coast always have an emergency kit for hurricanes. I'm not sure whether people out on the West Coast think about uh, earthquakes and the like, but have an emergency supply kit at your home. Think about a family (laughs) communications plan. By the way, family communications plan. I'd like you to do something for me, John. Could you please buy me a ham rig? I mean, I know, I know I'm not licensed or anything. Just buy me a rig. Send it to me. I mean, I know I'm sure I can operate it. Just when, when the caca hits the fan, I just want to have one. And yeah, I, you should. Everyone should. That's you, why I think people should get their ham license. Yeah, screw the license. Would you please just buy me one? I won't use it unless I need to. Could you just send me something? Uh, well, I'm not going to agree to that uh, on in the public. Air. Okay. All right. Good. Thank Where you. are we going to meet if an emergency occurs and we're all over the all over town? 
what are we going to do? Are we going to call each other on the cell phone? Just no, think about no, it. No, ham radio. Those things. If you have pets. Cell phones won't what, work. If you have pets. Think about a pet preparedness plan. Why did we? Why is the NASA guy worried about pets? Why? Because you got to keep the animals alive so you can eat them later. <laughs> How are you going to make sure that they're taken care of when you're spread all over the place? So you can eat them. Uh, and then if you have family members who have special needs, special needs preparedness. The most no, okay, I've had enough of this idiot. So, uh, by the way, I've, I've got a plan if there's an earthquake. Get in your car and drive to Sacramento. Well, this is not about earthquakes. I mean, this is yeah, about Yeah, I know, but I mean, the, the whole thing, this, you know, having all this food and stuff. I've always said the best, your absolute best way to protect yourself from starvation yeah, and you can do this. You know, there's a number of uh, sources of mailing lists, and you want want to rent the mailing list of of, of all the Mormons, yeah. and then you'll have a list of everyone you know has one year supply of food in their basement, right? And then you just go over there and sponge off them. <laughs> uh, so uh, I'm thinking we need to get out of California. Well, you need to get out of California for sure, and I've been trying to get out. Really? So that's not a problem. Hey, you know what? My, I was talking to uh, Sean. Uh, the guy who cuts my hair because I, I I had a mane that we wouldn't quit. I had I had to get my hair cut, and uh, and this guy by the way is doing okay. He's uh, he's putting his house up for sale. He wants to get out of L.A. and I think his house is like he's, I think he bought it for maybe a million dollars. Now he's putting it up for six million dollars. I'm like, good luck with that. But he just took it off the market because he found out that apparently the state of California on top of the federal capital gains has capital gains themselves. Is, is that, do you know about this? Is that possible? No, I don't know about that, but so he, it wouldn't surprise me. He says that uh, if he sells his house, he would have to pay 25% capital gains tax on his house. And then he went, and he's an Iranian, and he went nuts. He's like, "Why? I'm headed up to here. Like, I'm, I'm just gives money for what? For what? So they can go shoot people, drop bombs on them. I'm like, no, no, let me correct you. Drop bombs on brown people. It's not just any people. We only drop bombs on brown people. But this state of California is effed. <laughs> it's really effed. It's not okay. Anyway, I digress. So what's your point? My, my point is uh, I'm keeping an eye on Elenin. That's, it that's reminds you of the, no, the Nibiru collision that N was supposed Niburu. to take it's, place in... It's Nibiru. Whatever. <laughs> It was supposed to take place in 95. Right. I'll put money with anybody who wants to bet $1,000 that we don't get hit by a, by a comet. I don't have $1,000 to bet. You apparently do. I do. I have $1,000. I always keep $1,000 for any comet bet that may come my way. <laughs> it's, your, it's your comet stash. <laughs> well, I don't know. They're saying that the not the comet that it'll hit, but because of the tail that uh, it'll cause so much uh, cosmic interference. Yeah, sure. Hmm. Oh, well. They did the same thing with Haley's. I mean, every comment that comes by, somebody comes up with some crackpot bull crap. Well, so. I guess it's my turn to propagate the message then. I thought there'd be a movie coming out. No, that, that's another reason for concern is there's no movie. Yeah, well, I, mean, I think we just aren't looking deep enough. There probably is a movie. Okay. Hey, Al Sharpton's on crack. Hey, by the way, he's on crack? Yeah, yeah, I, I got proof. Here he is on his... He's moved up now. Doesn't he have like a special show they now? They gave him a show, a yeah. complete show with a name to it. And, I, you know, we have played the other clip of his wonderful uh, prompter reading, which I would <laughs> love for you. I was going to send you a note saying, uh, well, take I that clip up, I want to hear it I again. Have, I have a new one. 
is a new another one. A new Al Sharpton prompter prompter mess up, <laughs> proving that he's on crack. Here we go. Take Tennessee Congressman Steve Fincher. I'm Stephen Fincher, and I approve this message because my roots run deep in Tennessee, not politics. But Fincher's roots seem to be thriving in Washington. He introduced a bill to fast-track approval for genetically modified crack crops. <laughs> and Fincher's gotten... <laughs> I just love genetically modified crack. Hey, wishful thinking. Genetically <laughs> modified crack? This guy's a disaster. Let's hear that again. Crops. Hold on, hold on, roll it back a second. That's too funny. I I can't get enough of this clip. Fast track approval for genetically modified crack. (laughs) You know that, why does this come out of his mind? Because he's thinking crack. He's like, I can't wait till this show is over so I can have me some crack. A genetically modified crack, I mean crops. You know the guy's thinking about crack. Well, he had to be. I can't imagine. I wouldn't. If I was looking at a prompter, I wouldn't get. I would. I'd see the word crops. It wouldn't crack. Crack wouldn't come to mind. Genetically, but it's not. It's better. It's genetically, it's genetically modified. That's the best. Seem to be thriving in Washington. He introduced a bill to fast track approval for genetically modified crack. I love it. Guys, so do you awesome. have the old clip? That other one where he says much, much, must, much. Uh, yeah, I can probably find it for you. I think that thing's just a gem. Um, let me see. And meanwhile, they so they give him this full time gig, uh, and it's like I, the guy's a mush mouth. So you can barely understand a word he's saying, and uh, and he's just the same old knee jerk uh, Republican, or I'm sorry, Democrat, knee jerk Democrat um, on MSNBC. I, I, I don't see where that network is. Who's running that thing? So I did something new um, this week. I set up uh, search.nashownotes.com, which is uh, pretty. So if I just do Sharpton, let's see if this thing works. This will actually prove that we did something good here. First hit, first hit, first hit. Wow. 329, sharptontelepromptor.mp3. This is... Hey, this thing is pretty good, man. This uh, uh, yeah, but we, that means we have to change the way we name our clips because you have to put the person's name on the clip. Well, I no, I always name it a. Pro, well, come on, I mean Sharpton Teleprompter is the name of the clip. Is that yeah? I know, it, but I don't do that. Yeah, but I rename your clips, John, in case you didn't notice. Thanks for looking at the show notes, my friend. Here I, I've it is. already heard the clips. I don't go looking for my clips. Uh, here we go. Tonight is the measure. Of whether the country begins in the state of Wisconsin a national drive to push back or whether we have more to go to build a movement of resistance. But resist, we must. (laughs) We must and we will much about that be committed. Yeah. Hey, good work, MSNBC. The guy's a genius. This is the guy you got to hire. He's awesome. You got to hire him. Yeah, hire him. That's fantastic. Believable. I, uh, there was one more thing that I got emailed a lot as an, uh, as an airman. Uh, I kind of expected it. This is, um, I'm sure you saw this note that came out. Uh, automation in the air dulls pilot skills. Did you see this? I'm sure someone emailed this. You might have even bought no, it. I never got it. Okay. So this is a uh, a draft study, which means it's a PR plant because the study has not been published. 
Associated Press reports, pilots' automation addiction has eroded their flying skills to the point that they sometimes don't know how to recover from stalls and other mid-flight problems, say pilots and safety officials. The weakened skills have contributed to hundreds of deaths in the airline crashes in the last five years. And uh, then we have a quote. Could someone answer the fucking phone? kind of a quote is that? Sorry, that's not what he said. I apologize. I'm like, there's a phone ring in here. Uh, I couldn't hear it. Um, quote, we're seeing a new breed of... <laughs> like a- Shelly Berman on the DuPont <laughs> special. Whatever. We're seeing a new breed of accident with these state-of-the-art planes, said Rory Kay, an airline captain and co-chair of a Federal Aviation Administration Advisory Committee on Pilot Training. Quote, we're forgetting how to fly, unquote. Now, f- now I, I have to respond to this because, of course, there's an agenda behind it. Remember, this is an, a draft study, which means the Associated Press was given something to see uh, as a part of a PR effort, and it was not a published study. Um, this is an insult to ATPL pilots, uh, air traffic pilots uh, who are licensed to fly big planes. Um, this is total and utter bullcrap. In fact, I mean, the automation that is, I'm not, I'm not talking about the messed up Airbus plastic airplane stuff, the fly by wire, that I'm against, but um, flying on autopilot, GPS, uh, all of these things, it's, inc- it's a part of what you train for. And, and it is total bullcrap for this guy, Rory Kay, to come out and say, oh, they're forgetting how to fly. Anyone who flies is outraged by this guy's comments. And for a captain to say this, I'm just like, this blew me away. So I'm like, why is this guy saying it? Well, the answer comes to us in another news report. As the Pentagon and the Federal Aviation Administration announced they are carving out between four to ten bubbles in civilian airspace above the United States to test unmanned aerial vehicles. Um, and this is for the Department of Defense. They, this is so the drones, we know that drones, it's really the drones crash into things. And... If you go back to Rory Kay, who was a Brit, by the way, and I'll play a clip from him from 2005, this is all about the next-gen system, which all pilots are against. They want to have total control over the airspace so they so their precious drones don't get in the way of commercial aviation. And you can hear this Rory Kay, Brit shill dickwad, 2005, he's already shilling for the unmanned drones in this. And by the way, he thanks the sponsor for this event. This is from C-SPAN. Good morning, everybody. Thank you. I trust you had a nice evening last night, and we certainly thank Evis for their generous sponsorship yes, Evis. of uh, last night's hospitality suite. Uh, today is a very busy schedule and a very interesting one. We have three tech panels, and we're also going to have a detailed and gripping presentation on United Airlines Flight 232, a situation for which there was no training other than effective cockpit resource management. That will be after lunch. In the meantime, we're going to get on with our first presentation. Pilot safety volunteers, along with FAA representatives, will now discuss current challenges facing our air traffic control system today and what solutions the future may hold. Now, coming to a flight level or altitude near you, unmanned aircraft and microjets. 
How will we deal with them and what impact may they have on flight safety and the way we do business? Crowd control, managing congestion in our airspace, moderator Captain Larry Newman. So this guy has been a paid shill, and this, by the way, is a multi, multi-billion dollar change that they're trying to push through just to get the drone set up. And if you look at this AP article right there, it's talking about the FAA is moving from an air traffic control system based on radar technology to more precise navigation. Instead of time-consuming, fuel-burning stair-step descents, planes will be able to glide in more steeply for landings where their engines idling. Aircraft will be able to land and take off closer together and more frequently, even in poor weather. Because pilots will know the precise location of other aircraft, but the new landing procedures require pilots to cede even more control to automation. So these guys are trying, they're saying pilots don't know how to fly, but what they're actually selling is a next generation system where you don't need the pilot at all. In fact, I predict in our lifetime, John, we will get on an airplane that has no pilot at all. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think the first step, though, you'll you'll see, which will be a big, there'll be a big fuss over this. And you've seen this. They have gone from the three, the four, the four people in the cabin, you know, with the navigator and the co-pilot and the pilot. And then they, and, the, and I think there was a, uh, I think there's a rate used to be a radio guy. And then they went down to three. And then they went, then it was a big stink to go down to two guys. Right. And now it's, all the planes are designed for two pilots. And the next step would be to go to one pilot and an automated system that the pilot just there to make sure the thing works. He doesn't really fly anything. He knows how to fly, but he doesn't fly. And then, then you're, you're, you'll be at the fully automated plane, which is they do that right now with the AirTran in, uh, and most of the, uh, the little shuttles, the AirTran uh, subway. It's like a subway. It's an elevated uh, from uh, – JFK to uh, Jamaica Station is has got no uh, it's got nobody in there. You're just in a in a box by yourself, and the thing goes running down the track. Well, let me tell you, the day that they take the pilots off of uh, planes is the day I stop flying. And this is it's just a Raytheon DynCorp big military industrial complex push to get drones in the sky, have it all controlled by the military, all of it. And and I, I, I'm flabbergasted that pilots aren't up in arms and they aren't lynching this guy. Tar and feather this prick. Send him back to Gitmo Nation East. This guy is in charge. You know, I'm a little sick and tired, and I'm just going to play really douchebag American here for a second. I actually found myself watching douchebag Pierce Morgan and douchebagette Ariana Huffington, two foreigners, talking about how messed up America is. I'm like, get out, both of you. Get out. <laughs> get out. Get out. Does Pierce Morgan have a green card? I, I don't wanna, know. I want to see his green card. That guy's irritating. Yeah, I know. These guys, they're very judgmental. They hate the Constitution. We've seen that. That's a, a theme for our show for, for the next Fareed few years. Fareed Zakaria. Yeah. With for people like Fareed Zakaria promoting parliamentary systems, which are the worst compared to our system, the perfect federalist system. Uh, and the fact that, you know, oh, we can't get anything done, which is, I don't know if you're, people like myself who have worked for the government know that often not getting anything done is what you want. Yeah, that's why it's set up that way. And uh, I don't know. I mean, it's ridiculous. On lighter news. Yay! Do we have some real news or what you got? I got the Oprah doomed uh, <laughs> announcement. <laughs> Do you need it? has real news. All it's right, real news. let's hit that. Ah, I love that. And now, back to real news. In back segment tonight, the new Oprah Winfrey cable network is not doing well. <laughs> Reports are the own network 
has spent about 150 million bucks this year alone and has not succeeded in producing a hit program. No Rizzolian Isles, no Jersey Shore, no O'Reilly Factor. So, Miss Winfrey is turning to Rosie O'Donnell to try to generate some success. <laughs> so that should be good for a fiasco. <laughs> you know, I, I think that Anderson Pooper's new show, which starts, I think, end of this month, I think that's going to be a hit. I think you know. I, is she going to be on the own network? No, no. He's going to it's syndication, but he's going to have a talk show. I think that'll he'll be really good at that. He can be the no. new Oprah. No, no. It'll be good. It'll be good. Uh-uh. No. I'm okay. Here we go. Prediction book. Yeah. I, okay, I, I say I, Cooper. Pooper I, is not going to. I do say it. Pooper will be a hit. It's it. It's, it all the gay talk show hosts always score. Ellen. You know that's why Oprah's bringing in Rosie. It always scores. But I have an Oprah clip as well. Coincidentally, hit it. When was the last time you spoke to him? Uh, this is uh, Oprah with Lisa Marie Presley. Uh, coherently good. Who used to be married to Michael Jackson. Conversation mm-hmm. was in 2005. I was very um, distanced, and he was checking to get a read. You know, he was trying to throw a line out to see if I would bite. Emotionally, and I wouldn't. I was pretty shut off at that point. And I don't even know how I managed to be like that, but I was. And he was asking me, he wanted to tell me that he... Uh, that I was right about a lot of the people around him and that it had panned out to be exactly what he and I had talked about years ago. And he asked if I still loved him. And we went into a whole thing about that and I told him I was indifferent and he didn't like that word. And he cried and he was just trying to find out where I was at and how I could become so detached. And then the final part of the conversation was him uh, telling me that he felt that... um, that someone was going to try and kill him to get a hold of his catalog and his his estate. And I really didn't know what to do with that. So he actually gave you names? He did, and mm-hmm. I, I would like not to say them, but he, he expressed to me uh, his concern over his, uh, his life. Uh, Lisa Marie Presley, not long for this world. Well, she's already said this. Well, maybe. Yeah, because she's not naming names. She should have named the names. Um, well, I hope so, she wrote uh, them down somewhere. You had predicted, uh, you had. You were the first person in the major media to actually bring up the t- the possibility of this. Do you have that old clip? No, you know, the, I, I, I never was able to find it. I had kept the clip on... Uh, it's on one of the shows. Yeah, I, I don't know where it is, but I actually played the clip where I was on MSNBC... And uh, this was when uh, they were all getting ready for the big, um, uh, the big ceremony at the Nokia Theater in Los Angeles, and uh, and you know they asked me about you know blah blah was it Michael Jackson had to work with and I said you know by the way how come no one has ever brought up the murder angle on this and they hung up on me <laughs> they just slammed <laughs> the door on you it was hilarious yeah they hung up on yes, me the f- and you've never been called back you'll never get invited you are now blacklisted oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You think that's the only thing that got me blacklisted? I don't know. <laughs> well, there's a few other things. I don't think so. I got a couple of clips that are kind of they're just mildly amusing because you brought up the the sales figures for this for the Chevrolet Volt the other day. Yeah, like two hundred and fifty. So, is that there? So I, I want to play two clips. One is the green economy clip, which leads into another Buffett scam clip. All right, thank you so much, David Lee Miller in Patterson, New Jersey, with a raging torrent behind him. Well, the Obama administration is once again calling for more investment in the so-called green economy. Okay. Okay, so there's a green economy, but I don't know why he doesn't get off this crap, because Silicon Valley guys have lost their 
ass. Yeah, on- and and the, I mean, and we lost five hundred thirty-five million dollars on that stupid company that he was so proud of. Right, right, exactly. So now play another Buffett scam, so we can see that like a lot of people are in on this. And I always, I just wonder what Buffett's up to with his thinking. Well, the Obama administration is once again calling for more investment yeah. in the so-called green economy. Oh. Vice President Biden this week calling for a new clean energy policy for the United States. But there's at least one high-profile example of a green economy that is not working. China has pumped more China. money into the development of green cars than any other nation. And so far, it hasn't really paid off. So what does that tell us about the future of the green economy in America? Joining me now is Gordon Chang, author of The Coming Collapse of China. Gordon, <laughs> let's be honest here. I mean, we all remember the images of Beijing with the smog. The Chinese government, they aren't interested in a green economy, are they? No, you know, China has the worst environment ever. 16 of the 20th dirtiest cities in the world are located in the People's Republic. And it just gets worse and worse and worse. So why are they subsidizing then uh, the purchasing of these green vehicles? My guess is that this is all about exports. They want to dominate the global economy for cars, and and green cars are a part of it. So really what they want to do is this is export surpluses that they're talking about, not clean air. Well, they have no, obviously, you know, it's a limited free market, so you have to take that, take all their sales figures, if you will, with a grain of salt. But there's no demand in China for green vehicles, is there? No. You know, remember a couple years ago, Fortune magazine had that cover of Warren Buffett in a car, and it said... Buffett has not only seen the future car, he's sitting in the driver's seat. Well, that car was an E6, a Chinese electric car. (laughs) Well, since March of 2010, last year, Buffett's company has sold 53 of those cars. And and almost all of those sales were to an affiliated company. You know, (laughs) here's here's a prediction for you. Uh, in 20 years from now, there will be jokes about the Prius the way we joke about the uh, Pacer today. We're like, hey, remember all those idiots driving in those battery cars? Remember that? Stupid. <laughs> the pacer. <laughs> we, we had a pacer. I'm sure you did. <laughs> we, it, the pacer was an interesting car. It, had, it was one of the most advanced cars you can imagine. For one thing, it was a domed car. So there was basically you were in a dome and you, could, you had the best butt. visibility. Well, for, for, and, those, for those who don't know, it is the car uh, used in Wayne's World. When uh, Wayne and Garth are doing their, uh, when they're yeah. driving and they're doing their, uh, their it is queen one of the off. stupidest looking cars ever. But it had some charm to it, so it had this big dome top, so you could look all, you could great visibility. It and it had when you when you open the door, this this the driver's seat swung out. Oh, I remember that it would turn left, right? Yeah, that was yeah, that was so you cool. Could just yeah. Jump right out of your seat. And it had other kinds of little features like that. It was just hilarious. Now, did you pay for it, or was that some shill thing you were in on? No, we got it. It was somebody who was dumping. Somebody is used. We got a used one because somebody had had to get out of town or something. We got it for damn near nothing. And I couldn't resist because it was just so funny to drive it around. And it was kind of a, actually a pretty nice car to have, even though it looked so weird and dorky. There's a picture that was sent to me of you uh, up in Walla Walla uh, this oh, yeah, past weekend. Oh, yeah, the night... Uh, uh, Sir Birch was, Sir Birch, uh, and he and he had a picture of you in his uh, mini. Yes, he, he has a Brewster Green mini. I think it is. Is it green or black? No, it's a, a British racing green. Yeah, yeah, Brewster Green, which is the British racing green. Uh, and uh, and you've got a a, a shit eating grin on your face that is beyond belief. It is so funny. So anyway, so yeah, I want to also thank uh, uh, Sir uh, Birch for he gave me a uh, the, apparently the dentists are getting these samples of the latest 
and greatest uh, electric toothbrushes from uh, Philips, oh. the Sonicare. And this thing's got L- lights on it. And I, all ha- kinds I have of that. Weird. I use that. No, this is the one that's got a bunch of different, it said, does it, it say stuff like whitening and cleaning? Ah. And it's got a bunch of wordage and it's powered by USB. Does it have a happy ending? It has a it has a USB attachment, so you can power it from your computer. So uh, really? yeah, anyway. that's that's actually quite cool because the biggest problem with the electric toothbrush is you take it with you on a trip and you don't want to carry along the, like another charger. You know, it's right. like uh, this is cool. I'd like to have one of those. Not that I'm so, asking for one, but you know, I see, he right. gave me the he gave that's me cool. the sample, so you can't get one. That's now. cool. Well, that's cool. Uh, I got a couple of clips I want to get out of the way. All right. Unfortunately, they've been sitting. I've been sitting on it for a while, so I can't distinguish one from the other. You can they're the chart off clips, mm-hmm. and I've got chart off is full of crap, and chart off is full of shit. So that's <laughs> now I'm confused whether he's full of. Well, I should play crap first, but it has a one on it. So why don't we play chart off is full of crap, and then I want to deconstruct what he has to say. He's at the Aspen Institute pontificating about security and a need for more, spend more money on his his junk. Yeah, we just have to say that uh, Michael Chertoff was uh, the second, I think, director of Homeland Security. He left to start the Chertoff Group and has been selling stuff back to his own department uh, without any shame whatsoever, and everyone's just, like, sitting by and enjoying it. Uh, heir, heir to bin Laden. My own view is he's a transitional figure. You've got a younger generation of folks. You've got Alaki. You've got Shukrajuma. These are two guys who are... Tell us a little bit about them. Alaki is the, is the radical preacher. Both lived a long time in the United States. Alaki's an American citizen. Shukrajuma, I think, has lived in the U.S. for about a dozen years. A uh, trained pilot. Um, he's been on the wanted list forever. Uh, and these are younger folks. They're operational. And they understand the United States and the West. And maybe most... Uh, significantly, they're not bound up in repeating the success of 9-11. You know, like anybody else, when you have a guy like bin Laden who's done one thing where he succeeded, there's a little bit of a tendency to want to repeat it again and again. And in a way, we've benefited from that. You know, they have, they have focused, at least in the U.S., on very high-end attacks, which, for the reasons Phil pointed out, are, are difficult to, to execute. But now you have a generation that may feel liberated from that. And they may decide, you know what, we're going to go for a lot of small attacks. We're going to do Mumbai. And we're going to do it, you know, five, six, eight, ten times. Yeah. Lone okay, wolf. Okay. Yeah, this is bull crap. First of all, it was, it's a known policy fact that of all the things that the Al-Qaeda or Qaeda, as Qaeda. the New York Times would have it, Qaeda. do is not doing the same thing again and again because it's so easy to repeat. They they hit the World Trade Center with planes. Then they go blow up a bunch of trains in Spain. It wasn't done by airplanes. There was nothing like it. Before that, they did it. They blew up an embassy with walk-in and explosives. And they've got all these other plans. Where's the again and again and again bull crap? I mean, this guy is full of, which is what the name of the clip is, full of crap. But it gets worse with the full of shit clip. <laughs> Um, and you see it in TSA, but you probably see it with a lot of other uh, agencies in, in different walks of life that have to deal with a lot of transactions. It is the aardvark effect. Aardvark. One anecdotal case where someone either messes up or the story doesn't seem right, and it's used to argue the system doesn't work. So I'm going to give you two, I think, important things to bear in mind when you look at TSA. One is your conception of, or the conception of a lot of people about what a terrorist looks like is wrong. 
The people who have been uh, homegrown in this country, uh, like Colleen LaRose, blonde-haired, blue-eyed from Jihad Pennsylvania, Jihad Jane, not this Jane, um, uh, Daniel Maldonado, who I think came from Long Island, Hispanic, converted to Islam. These people do not look like what you think a terrorist looks like. Squirrel! A uh, 92-year-old person? What was the age of the man who walked into the Holocaust Museum and started to shoot a gun at people? 92 years old. Children, infants? How many infants, how many children, including people mentally impaired, uh, in different parts of the world have had bombs strapped to them and they've been sent out against American troops to be blown up? What about the couple that got up, was going to get on an airplane in August 2006 with their one-year-old baby and blow the plane up? Uh, you know, it would be nice to say that certain part of the population are out of bounds. We can't say that. So I, th- I think the second uh, point I'd like to make is this. I often hear the argument, sometimes made by Jeff, TSA doesn't work because you've never caught a terrorist. It's not meant to catch terrorists. It's meant to deter for the reasons Phil points out. Uh. Fort Knox has never caught a bank robber. Does that mean Fort Knox is insecure, or does it mean that the security deters bank robbers? I'm going to bitch slap that guy if I ever see him. Now, here, this began with the guy saying, you know, TSA took a 98-year-old woman aside who crapped her diaper and they had to make her take her clothes off and all this other nonsense. Yeah. And so he comes up and says, well, that's the aardvark effect. That what means the you're hell gener- aardvark? That is lame. So she says you're generalizing from one or two stories, one or two anecdotes. But isn't the, it, aren't they the ones that are actually do? you know, this is like projection where you have... You know, you do something a certain way, and then when you see somebody else do something remotely similar, you call them on it. The fact of the matter is, they're the ones who are generalizing from one or two things. We had a shoe bomber. Five years later, we had an underwear bomber. And before that, we had uh, the 9-11 incidents. There's been nothing for 10 or 11 years except these isolated incidents. The aardvark effect, whatever that means, takes (laughs) place. And now we have everybody being patted down and x-rayed. They're the ones who are doing this. They're the ones who are generalizing from a very few episodes of terrorism. There is no, it's not like Nazi Germany bombing the crap out of everybody left and right on a daily basis. There's no daily basis anything going on. This is isolated in incidences that are now being used to terrorize the public. The government ter- as the terrorist terrorizing us. Meanwhile, the 9-11 terrorists, the ones who were responsible... Still not brought to justice. This letter to the 9-11 families from the Office of Military Commission says there is still no public timetable for the trial of the 9-11 suspects at Guantanamo Bay 10 years after the attacks. Quote, Although we are not able to give you a more precise answer on when to expect a decision by the convening authority, the body that oversees the military trials, we will continue to provide updates. Yeah, we'll give you an update on that. It's 10 years. You know why? Because these guys weren't responsible. Because you're afraid, the United States government is afraid that what's going to come out is the truth. And that this, whatever happened, and I have my own thoughts, which we won't go into, but World Trade Center 7 was weird and these guys didn't crash into it all kinds of stuff going on and we just haven't these guys are still sitting in gitmo well, we which, which the president was supposed to close uh take it to the bank yeah first thing i do when i become president is close gitmo that's what he said first thing he's going to do first thing and then after that he's going to uh, bring home our troops in 15 months yeah you can take that to the bank <clears throat> bullshit, bullshit. Meanwhile, over in Gitmo Nation East, 
they have uh, convicted a number of these horrible, horrible, horrible rioters. Now, of course, when uh, we just understand this just to set the stage, when you have people using Facebook and the tweeters in Tunisia, Egypt, Libya, Syria, Algeria, then it's called rebels and they're good and we've got to support them and carpet bomb the uh, uh, carpet bomb the government. When it happens in Gitmo Nation East in the United Kingdom, please listen to the sentence that these two kids got for posting on Facebook. It's right that we should allow the courts to make... This, of course, is uh, Camelot. ...take decisions about sentencing. Uh, you weren't sitting in the court. I wasn't sitting in the court. We didn't hear the evidence. The sent- They decided in that court to send a tough sentence, a tough message, and I think it's very good that courts feel able to do that. So a tough message, John. Just a very tough message. These, these two gentlemen have been convicted, these two youngsters... Uh, What is the sentence and what is the crime? Let's find out. What happened on our streets was absolutely appalling behavior. And to send a very clear message it's wrong and it won't be tolerated is what our criminal justice system should be doing. The longest sentence is handed down to these two men responsible for Facebook pages inciting violence. Abhorrent though the messages were, they got four years not for taking part in, but for encouraging disorder that never actually happened. (laughs) So they posted on Facebook, go riot. And they got four years in jail for it. <laughs> yeah. They're going to get a lot of rioting over that. How outrageous is that? So they so they used Facebook to... to uh, I, I haven't seen the pages, so I'd like to see what they look like. It doesn't to, matter. To, to, no, I would still like to see them. I don't care whether it matters or not. I want to see what they look like because I'll bet you it's not even as, as, as onerous as people think. It's it probably just a couple of people complaining. But it still doesn't matter. I mean, it, I, I, I don't understand. Don't you have freedom of speech? Not in England. No, apparently not. Well, we don't have it here either. Well, we're supposed to. But can I can I go on the Facebook and say, go riot? Or, uh, I know, I guess I'm a terrorist then, right? Isn't that the new rule? You'd be a terrorist, yeah, or something. something but do, I have, do I have any free speech in that regard? Not in, when it comes to advocating overthrow of the government. No, but if I say riot, that's different than from overthrow of the government. I think you'd have to say it's a t- time for a peaceful protest and, and just hope a riot breaks out. I think that's all you can really get away with. There was some this report. That's assuming you want a riot. Riots right, don't tend right. to work out to the benefit of people in Western societies. It tends to be uh, just yeah. a good way of getting your head bashed in. There was some kid who stole a, a, a $3 bottle of water, which by in itself is criminal. Six months in jail. <laughs> Six months. He stole a bottle of water that was just like laying around. No, but it's okay for bankers. This guy, this this Bank of America anecdote that was played that I think we had it on the show where this guy had a, uh, he didn't even, the Bank of America, he had to pay for his house outright, but the Bank of America decided to like foreclose him. Yeah. <laughs> and he didn't even, they didn't even have a deed. They were just going to the sheriff and saying, hey, we're going to take this guy's house. Screw that And guy. if they actually had done it, it would take the guy's years to get his house back. <laughs> and there's no, they should throw that guy in jail. That's the people. Those are your criminals. So let me give you a couple more things uh, just before we leave here. Just to just to lighten the mood. Uh, Gitmo Nation Lowlands, the financial minister, Diyacher, who I have met and interviewed uh, when he was the uh, the assistant. And he's just a Microsoft uh, IT guy. 
<laughs> he literally, all, he, all his only job was to shore up the IT infrastructure. He's now the Minister of Finance. Uh, he says there would have to be a license for uh, consumers, that would be you and me, slaves, to uh, invest, do any investments without a financial advisor. You need a license. You have to, and he actually calls it the financial driver's license. So you're not allowed to uh, make Who, any... Wh- where is this? The Netherlands. Gitmo Nation Lowlands. Yeah. He says consumers uh, will have to get a... They call it the financial driver's license before they can uh, make any investments without uh, a financial advisor. <laughs> then we have New Jersey. Back home. Uh, under a new state law in New Jersey, lunch line bullies in East Hanover in school can be reported to the police by their classmates through an anonymous tip to the Crime Stoppers hotline. Ooh. <laughs> hey, man, he cut in line. I'm reporting you to the police. <laughs> Unbelievable. Tennessee. Teresa Tryon said, on August 25th, my 10-year-old daughter arrived home via police officer requesting to speak to me on the front porch of my home. The officer informed me that in his judgment, it was unsafe for my daughter to ride her bike to school, 10 years old. Ms. Tryon called the mayor's office, the chief of police, uh, uh, called the chief police office in order to determine what laws she was breaking by allowing her daughter to ride her bike to school. Uh, uh, Major Varon of the police department returned her call and said, he had spoken with the district attorney's office who advised that until the officer can speak with child protective services, that if I allow my daughter to ride or walk to school, I will be breaking the law and treated accordingly. The law she was breaking, child neglect. The child has to take the safe school bus. I mean, are we out of our minds? Well, see, a 10 year old, I think, is in the fourth or fifth grade. Come on, man. I walked to when school I was when, in I was the, when I was in the second grade, because I lived in a little town that doesn't exist anymore, I would, all, I would be biking around all yeah, over the place. 10 years old. Are you kidding me? I mean, Mickey used to bike to school for an hour when she was 10 in Holland. You know, uh, we were over at the Gabers the other day, uh, who were very kind to, uh, that's our neighbors, very kind to uh, pick up our mail while we were on the Hot Pockets tour. And... Uh, they're uh, one of so one of them has uh, kids, and his grandson was there, and his grandson's like five five weeks old. And so I'm talking to these uh, to his son and uh, his wife, very nice people. In fact, I'm pretty sure his son is listening to the show because he's like a total total no agenda fan. <laughs> he's like, I'm like, you need to listen to my show, dude. Go to rickperrysanidiot.com. And uh, so there's uh, their son was born, and he was basically born not breathing. Uh, it was very scary, and so you know they threw him in the incubator, and he was on a respirator, and so he's okay now. Um, but while they're in the hospital, and of course they're all confused and everything, you know, because it's like a weird you're you're kind of f- confused anyway when you have a kid. Um, Child Protective Services started talking to them. You know, it's like, well, okay, we just want to talk to you. Um, do you have any guns in the house? Um, Okay, yeah. Say, um, have you ever had any uh, urge to uh, like uh, hit your wife? And these are the questions Child Protective Services are asking. And then so they're like, you know, you know, whatever. And then they call up like a week later after they're home and they say, hi, it's, uh, you know, so-and-so from Child Protective Services. Uh, I'll be coming by on uh, Tuesday. It's like, what is this? What kind of Gitmo nation are we in? Is this normal? God, I hope not. 
I mean, has Eric DeShill had any of this with his new kids? Have the child no, protective well, services? No, well, being in Washington State, it's a little... Uh, Must be a little better, right? It's a little better. Yeah. I mean, you know, you can buy bullets. Or, I mean, they sell bullets <laughs> at the counter, at the checkout counter in most at the of hospital. the stores. At the hospital. Everywhere. <laughs> at the hospital. Hey, th- here's your kid, and uh, would you like some uh, bullets. Ho- hollow points with that? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so they're not asking whether you have guns in the house, and why should they be asking that? That's it's a constitutional right to have a gun in the house. Well, so why are they asking in the first place? What difference does it make? They have quotas. I think Child Protective Services has quotas. No, Child Protective Services is a notoriously evil operation in most states. I mean, in Texas is one of the worst. When you have your Rick Perry's, you know, are part of the problem. Absolutely abhorrent. This is California, man. The People's Republic, and we got this crap going on. Child Protective Services asking if you have guns or if you've ever had violent outbursts towards your wife and then just saying, we'll, we'll drop by on Tuesday. Get out of my face. That's really outrageous. I was shocked. I really, I, I was shocked when I heard that. Yeah, these are the, this is because we elect officials who are idiots and we don't care. Or we care more about Snooky. Well, sh- <laughs> Jersey Shore. <laughs> Hot Pockets. All right, John, I think that just about wraps it up. Uh, I do want to remind everybody, uh, we came up uh, short this week, and uh, the summer is nearing its end. People are getting back to school, getting back to work. Uh, welcome back to the show if you've uh, not been listening to it for uh, for a couple weeks there while you were off uh, vacationing. Just getting by, no doubt. Uh, we, are, we, too, are just getting by, and we do not interrupt this program for commercial messages. It is all that we do. We have spent uh, another considerable uh, number of days, not weeks, in front of C-SPAN, trying to assassinate the media for you, trying to find out what is really going on, bringing it to you. Uh, And if you appreciate what we're doing, we'd appreciate your support of the program uh, since we have no other way of making income except for a couple of columns that John's writing, but he doesn't really share that revenue with me. (laughs) (laughs) And rightfully so. I'll take half the gold uh, bar. (laughs) Now, that half has already been taken. (laughs) Yes. Oh, my goodness. Uh, so, of course, you can always find us at... Dvorak.org slash N-A. And uh, a couple of short days coming up here. Oh, by the way, it's my birthday on uh, on uh, Saturday. Thought I'd just throw that out there. Well, happy birthday. Yeah, right. It's a, such a non-event. 47. Yeah, I woke up and I'm 47. What the heck happened to me? I'm 47. No one knows me anymore. And I'm doing a podcast. Podcast is the future. Yeah, until you need that license. Yeah, yeah, it's probably true. Yeah. I've been predicting that for a while. Uh, the FCC right. will be, be you know, none, none more yell, cussing on this. You'll be people who cuss on the podcast, which a lot of people like to do, yourself included. Uh, will uh, be be fined. Will be fined. I would like to point out that you cuss more on today's podcast than I did. I'm just yeah, but saying. I, I, I was reading my cussing. Coming to you from Gitmo Nation uh, West in the People's Republic of Southern California, IA, here at the Hilltop Watchtower Crackpot Command Center. In the morning, everybody, I'm Adam Curry. And uh, here from Northern Silicon Valley, it's garbage day. Time to take out the trash. I'm John C. Dvorak. We'll talk to you again on Sunday for the early morning service, as always, right here on No Agenda. approval for genetically modified crap.
I'm John Galt, and thank you for joining me. With no agenda, John C. Dvorak and Adam Curry endeavor to market the product of their blood, sweat, and tears to the United States of the Universe. As you all know, this kind of Herculean effort to oppose oppressive bureaucratic functionaries cannot go unnoticed. That is why I, John Galt, confer the seal of Atlas to these fine men for their excellence in audio programming. These two men and their producers are forged from reared and steel. Adios, mofo. Dvorak.org slash N-A.